0: The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City Council meetings are held at 7 p.m., two Mondays per month, in Council Chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T UVerse, or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs podcast channel.
1: Good evening and welcome to our November 20th, 2023 meeting of City Council. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
2: All right, Lacey, would you please call roll? Honorable Mayor here. Councilman Arnoski? Here. Councilman Wasbinski? Here. Councilman Solar, Here. Councilman Brown-Wilhelm?
1: Here. All right, thank you. Does anyone on council have a conflict of interest with anything that's on this evening's agenda? No, Okay. Seeing none, then we'll move on to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There'll be no separate consideration of these items unless a citizen or council members so request during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the consent agenda as indicated. If there's even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without further motion and considered in its listed sequence and regular fashion. Can we have a motion to accept the consent agenda?
3: So moved. Second.
1: At first and second. OK, would anyone on council like an item removed from the consent agenda? Anyone from the public want an item removed from the consent agenda? All right. Seeing none, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, that passes 5-0. Okay, that takes us down to public comment. This is an opportunity for people to address council on items relevant to council business, but not on the agenda. Is there any public comment this evening? Okay, seeing none, then we'll move on. That takes us now down to item number two, which is the second reading for a pilot um, regarding Eastland property. And Mr. Kane, I'll turn it over to you.
4: Thank you, Mayor Dunker. We're here tonight for second reading of a proposed pilot ordinance for River Caddis Communities for a multifamily housing project at 115 East Lawn Drive. This was introduced to you for first reading at your November 13th meeting. Just to remind council and the public, the proposed pilot agreement would apply to a piece of property that is currently vacant located at the northeast corner of East Lawn Drive and Jefferson Avenue. This is the former site of the East Lawn Elementary School. Payment in lieu of taxes is a fee that's paid annually to the taxing authority, in this case, the City of Midland, instead of ad valorem property taxes through an agreement with the City of Midland. That annual fee is based on the following formula. Uh, It's rent capacity plus tenant fees minus actual vacancies minus eligible utility costs times the proposed pilot rate. Pilot rates can generally be set between 4 and 11%. The pilot agreement proposed this evening is at 4%. Revenues received through the payment in lieu of taxes are distributed to all taxing jurisdictions on a pro rata basis. So essentially the same percentages that would apply to the ad valorem tax bill, which of course does not come in its entirety to the city of Midland uh, would be applied to that pay, payment in lieu of taxes fee and distributed to the other taxing units, as well as some revenues coming to the city of Midland. Pilot agreements are required by Mishta, the Michigan State Housing Development Authority to underwrite a low-income housing tax credit or LIHTC project, such as the one proposed. Pilots are an important part of the LIHTC housing uh, model because they provide more stability for future financing than ad valorem taxes, which of course can change um, dramatically from year to year. And uh, so, they're considered essential to creating a sustainable financing model for these projects. Pilot details uh, before you tonight are the same as at first reading, 204 mixed income units with a range of from 30 to 120% of uh, area median income with 70% being the average. Again, the applicant is proposing a 4% pilot rate at a 45-year term. Rents for these units would range from $470 a month for the 30% AMI two-bedroom to $2,000 a month for the 120% AMI two-bedroom. These are rental rates that are established by MISHTA annually on a county-wide basis. So each county in Michigan has a rental rate table and those rental rates are established through agreement with MSHDA as part of the agreement for LIHTC financing. Revenue protections through the project, uh, the 2023 pilot fee uh, using the income, I'm sorry, the rental rates <laughs> issued by MSHDA for the current year would be $97,712. The estimated tax bill based on the current millage rate would be $704,800 of that, just for reference, approximately 25% of the current millage rates, um, for city taxpayers are city millages. So that those are of course, that percentage will vary from year to year as millages come on and off tax bills as the city millage, of course, hasn't been adjusted in several years, but of course could be adjusted. But generally speaking about a quarter of that tax bill currently is city revenues. So. Um, For these numbers, we're looking about just shy of $25,000 a year in city revenue under the pilot agreement, as opposed to $184,000 a year under an ad valorem tax model. The city does have adopted criteria. These were adopted in 2023 for pilot agreements. Those three criteria are, does the proposed development uh, meet a demand not adequately addressed in the existing inventory of community rental housing? Does the proposed development, or will the proposed development not have a negative impact on the existing rental housing market for substantially similar units? And is a pilot agreement essential to the financing of the proposed development? These criteria and more were analyzed by the Housing Commission in their meeting on November the 2nd. There were 11 public comments uh, received during that public hearing, four in support, five in opposition, and two with general comments. And ultimately, after review of the proposal, the Housing Commission moved unanimously four to zero to recommend council approve the pilot request as presented. Since that time, we've received additional public comments. Six public comments were made during your October 23rd, 2023 council meeting, at which time this uh, request was referred to the Housing Commission for review. Two were in favor and four in opposition. Seven public comments were made during introduction and first reading on November 13th four in support and three in opposition. And we've received a total of 25 written communications on this item, eight in support and eight in opposition, excluding repeat correspondences of which we've obviously had several. Tonight's vote requires three fifths vote to give second reading and and approve the proposed ordinance as presented. And we're at the last step in this process with your second reading and adoption. You're welcome any questions from Council Mayor Donker.
3: Does you want to have any
5: questions for Mr. Kane? I do, if nobody I else do. does.
6: Okay. Go ahead. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so one of the questions, and it's more of a curiosity question. So, how many single family lots could exist on that property, and how much would we get in taxes with that scenario?
4: Sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, the property as situated could contain probably about 25 or so. Um, residential lots of course there are variances to that we typically under current stormwater rules lose a lot or two to stormwater management area um, as uh, opposed to historic <coughs> development that was done without those facilities um, similar development to what's adjacent to this property uh, in terms of a tax bill you're looking at somewhere on the order of ninety one thousand dollars a year okay. um, of course hypothetical size of units um, Quality construction, Mm -hmm. current tax rates are gonna shape that, but that's a ballpark from the city assessor.
6: And then my second question is, if I understand this correctly, because I've made a lot of phone calls, if interest rates go down, so if there were a pilot and they have their interest rate, it's kind of like a mortgage. Um, They have X number of years to pay it off, but then if the interest rate goes down and they want to remortgage, they can, is that correct? That's correct. So if that should happen, if this is passed, um, could we request that this come back to council?
4: Yeah, so council has a right to bring a pilot agreement back before it for review mm-hmm. at a later date. It is, an, uh, it is an agreement between the city and the, the developer. Um, I, if the property is sold, it absolutely comes back automatically. That's mm-hmm. not transferable. Okay. Um, but you would have an opportunity if there's a refinance to reconsider the um, terms of that agreement.
1: But it has to be refinanced. It has to go through re- refinance. Nancy, we can 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 we just say, hey, we want to take a look at this two years from now. Take a look at need this pile again. cost
4: to bring that back to Council. Okay, we have All to have cost.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay. So is it something that would need to be in the resolution?
4: No,
6: that applies to any of the existing five. agreements okay. as well. OK. Thank you. All
1: right, Mr. I'm asking you have questions? Yeah.
3: One of the things that, one of the questions that, or themes that came <laughs> up during the last meeting when we were talking about this was, we had approved a plan unit development back in January, and as far as we knew it was going to go forward. What happened between then and now that got us to this uh, request now for a pilot? Um, Because it seems like something happened at some point in time, and I'm just trying to understand uh, what you knew or what the city knew, I guess you're as a representative of the city, in terms of how things changed and when they changed.
4: Sure. So housing economics are very difficult for just about any type of housing project. Um, That was true back in 2018 when the housing study was conducted. That has only continued to get more complicated moving forward. Um, That's especially so in smaller markets like Midland where we both don't have an overwhelming number of recent comparables that can help to demonstrate to lenders that there is a market for certain types of market rate units. So most lenders, you know, are conservative. They like to see that there's comparables in the marketplace that have been absorbed and can sustain the rents required um, to pay back the loan uh, at the cost of construction at that time. we that's always been the case there's always been a financial challenge here to solve Um, the site for better or worse is environmentally very clean Um, and so where there are some incentive tools that are readily available on sites like this typically in this case there are very few incentive tools that are available to make something happen we're not in a downtown or or a tax district we're not on a brownfield site as traditionally defined and we know there are different market needs that need to be met in the community. Um, as you all know, River Caddis is already a property owner and taxpayer in Midland and they've got strong relationships with our local employers. And so they're familiar with what the housing challenges are. The project pivoted in a way that would create a potential for uh, feasible financing and still meet housing needs that exist in Midland. So, um, that evolved over time. It wasn't that it was a new problem, but it was, uh, trying to find the right solution and create the right kind of project for Midland.
3: But I think I was asking you exactly when that pivot occurred. You know, I know that we, can, we, we read about in the newspaper about the $3 million uh, grant from the state, the Mishnah rap program, I sure. think it was, which, which is tied somewhat to attainable housing. Um, so that means that process must have started or somebody must have requested it earlier on. So I'm guessing that was the pivot. There was some pivot point before then and that's what I'm asking. When did when did that occur?
4: Well, that wouldn't have involved the planning department, so I okay. can't speak to the timing on that. I can tell you the request for the pilot agreement was received by staff um, a couple weeks before the um, packet deadline for your October twenty third meeting. So we're probably talking late September, early October.
3: Okay. The other the other theme that kind of came out is you know we you talked about River Caddis being uh, uh, involved with the East End development, um, and how that's you know a, a nice you know thing to kind of brag about in terms of its structure and its environmental and sustainability and all that um <clears throat> but we've also heard about some of the probably i would characterize at least negative things about river caddis over the last few weeks that have been kind of brought to our attention there's something about in boise in lansing and portage and you know i don't know where i mean there's there's other things going on where they have changed course and maybe not necessarily uh, are in sync with whatever the local community is. Um, have you looked into any of that? Has that played any consideration in terms of bringing it forward today? Uh... Sure,
4: so I'm familiar with River Kettys history with other projects around the country, both here and in previous positions where I've worked with them on potential project ideas. Um, I would say that experience is not unusual or unique. Um, it's very difficult to develop multifamily housing in this market. And so their experience, in terms of working through public processes, I think it goes to, it's fair to say, we've had a lot of public input on our process that's also not unique to Midland when you're dealing with multiple family housing and or tax incentives. So for a a process like this to be controversial, to attract media attention, um, not unusual. For a project like this to need to look at all financing options, also not unusual. what is sort of unusual is that we typically have we have a very small menu of tools for incentives. For residential multifamily development, this is really our primary incentive, and so we don't see or talk about financing for other projects in almost any other case. Um, this is when it comes forward as generally related to the pilot agreements, as it is in other communities. Um, so I wouldn't view that as unusual or exceptional in any way. Um, we certainly don't know the local politics in those communities to know what might have informed the coverage. Um, but I, I would say, again, we do know we've got over ten years of experience working with them in Midland, and I've yet to hear a bad word about that experience both before development and since. Um, everyone that's interacted with them um, as tenants that I've spoken with or from the public side has said nothing but good experiences.
3: You basically have not really given any weight to those other comments, or those other reports.
4: Well, I don't think there's any way to fully understand the circumstances in a local community without being there. So looking at it from thousands of miles away, um, nothing that was suggested about it was really... I mean, What was said was, oh, they asked for an incentive, and it was controversial. I don't view that as problematic. I would so view I just, that as fairly yeah, typical.
3: Just, yeah, okay. Um, and then, maybe the last uh, one of the things that I'm, I try to understand what you do when you interact with somebody who comes forward with a pilot or any other developer with a request. You know, the other piece of this that has sort of got a shock value to it is the, the, the 4% and the 45 years. And I think what you heard was that or at least if you looked at, and I guess this is the question, have you looked at kind of the history of what we've approved most recently in terms of pilots, you know, the Lincoln Park, the Center City, and even going back to Bracken Woods, which takes us back to 2016, uh, in terms of the, the percentages and the, and the time frame, and did you discuss that at all with River Caddis?
4: I did, and for context, the other agreements that we have recently approved Uh, at the City of Midland are for projects that, while they are multifamily and they do use tech funding, are in many ways very different from this project. So just on a income level served basis, this project is serving a range of income that was not served by the other three projects where pilot agreements were approved at the 9% rate. So those projects have generally been 30% to 70% AMI for all units. This project, of course, is extending to 120% AMI that pilot fee is based on those rental rates that are paid. And so when you multiply that out across a higher rental rate, you're gonna have a higher level of fee paid. So just on its face, having a lower pilot percentage applied here, um, combined with what's being provided by the developer in terms of the quality of the development, um, didn't seem surprising. As we dug into the numbers they provided on why that was necessary to make the project pencil, they were compelling, they were compelling to Mishta as well. Um, and so, and they were compelling to
3: the Housing Commission. Okay. Last question for me, I promise. Absolutely. For you, anyway. It's um, the only chance tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I understand it, there's three tax-related incentives that, are, that we're talking about. One of them is the $3 million. That's the Mishta rap program that we talked about. The other is our pilot that we're talking about right now. The other thing you mentioned is the Litec credit. What is the value of that? Because that's that's yet a third thing I think that they are entitled to. Um. So, yeah.
4: So just to clarify, the, the RAP program that's administered by MEDC, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, is uh, going to be going to be applied to this project as a low interest loan. The city is not involved in that in right. any way. So that's strictly a state incentive. Um, LIHTC credit. So the low income housing tax credit. Essentially, back in the 80s, the federal government took action to incentivize the private development world to create affordable housing rather than having the government create affordable housing. So the tax credits, um, you know, in a big picture sense, create an incentive for investors to put their money into the mortgages that fund low-income housing. So they get, they get credit on their taxes, they're buying credits that they can apply to their, their taxes as an investor that helped to subsidize the mortgages for these projects.
3: Yeah, but I guess I'm asking, what's the value of that for this particular project? What's the dollar value?
4: Uh, I don't know that. That would be related to the the loan that they get from Mishta, which they haven't even applied for yet. So okay, I but there's is there that. some
3: there's some dollar value associated with it. Yeah, but they, to be
4: clear, that's not a tax credit to this developer. That's a tax credit to other investors, who in all likelihood have no relationship with River Caddis communities. Who are investing in the mortgage through the mortgage market in, in much the same way that people are invested in anyone's single family home mortgage? So they're people buying are, credit. They're, they're buying securities, they're investing in, and they're getting uh, either a tax credit in this case, or they're making some sort of dividend off that investment from the bank.
3: Uh, I guess I'm a little unclear because I thought you said earlier the pilot is required for the LIHTC, the, the the credit. So there must be some connection.
4: So Mishta administers, so in 1986, the Federal Tax Reform Act created the ability of this program basically across the country. Mm -hmm. Mishta administers the program for the state of Michigan. And so they provide mortgages to low-income housing tax credit projects by getting investors who can get a tax credit in those mortgages. So it's all part of that mortgage loan process that the, the investor out there, whoever it is that's putting money in to, to fund these mortgages across the state of Michigan, they're getting, in addition to probably their normal return on that investment, they're also getting tax credits, which incentivizes them to put that money there instead of buying Apple stock or Dow stock or whatever else they might invest in.
6: So in the end, It's really not going to the developer. It's going back to the investors who help fund this pool of money that, you know, wherever you are and requesting a pilot can help support that pilot if it's
4: approved. I mean the reason the reason the act was written the way it was was so that governments, state, local, Mm -hmm. federal, were not funding housing creation directly. So this is to make it a private initiative. So it's just simply an incentive, as I said, to encourage people, if they're going to invest their money in something, to invest it here, rather than investing it into something else.
3: Yeah, I guess, you, don't, you know, my, my takeaway is you, you don't know the impact, but there is some impact to investors in this project, because if this project doesn't happen, that whatever those incentives are that you're talking about don't happen. So yeah. there is a connection Maybe it's Rivercats, maybe it's some other investors somehow. The,
4: those investors aren't identified yet because, uh, again, they haven't applied right. this. That would be like saying that the investors in my mortgage at Mercantile Bank were, had some vested interest in my agreement to purchase my home. I didn't, At the time I made my purchase offer, I didn't have a mortgage with Mercantile Bank yet. So that's, that's to the extent there's a connection, it doesn't exist yet. He wants, and it, to, he it, wants to know it,
7: but, if there's a realized percentage sorry. difference on the loan. It's a dollar for dollar. Yes. For dollar. 20, All right. Oh, hold on. Okay. okay. Wait. Okay. Wait. Sorry. wait.
3: We'll, we'll come up later. You can. Sounds like somebody else knows the answer to that. Maybe we'll let them answer later. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. All right.
1: Any other questions <clears throat> from council? Okay. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. So I'm going to ask for public comment in just a minute. Let me just talk about how that public comment works. You need to come up, stand on the blue mat, state your name and a address, address us. You do not address the audience. You look here at SN Council. I know we have a representative here from Midland Public Schools and they have a meeting in five minutes that they need to get to. So, Mr. Lauterbach, I'll let you go first.
8: Oh, sorry. <laughs>
9: um, good evening, Mayor Donker. My name is John Lauterbach, 715 East Main Street. Uh, as Mayor Donker said, I am a member of the Board of Education. I am not here speaking on behalf of the Midland Public Schools tonight. I am one, one of seven votes and I'm here only to speak for myself. I am however a member of the board's finance facilities and operations committee uh, as such I was one of the board members that reviewed the proposals that were submitted in response to the request for proposals uh, issued by the school district of the three finalists that we reviewed one proposed a pilot one proposed a section eight rent subsidized housing project and the third was River Caddis. River Caddis proposed a market rate housing development we had a strong preference for the River Caddis proposal, um, even though other, the two other proposals, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the other two proposals were more financially beneficial for the school district. Um, the reason we had a strong preference for the River Caddis proposal is their track record uh, in Midland. I'm a part owner of a business that is a tenant in the East End building. River Caddis has been fantastic to deal with. Uh, john mcgraw's dad kevin was has been a great partner uh, in that project his uncle pat is a judge over in saginaw is one of my favorite people this is not i'm not here to say we don't like river caddis i'm not here to say river caddis has not been a great business partner uh, in our community Um, but we did not want a pilot on this site we were very specific with them i was very specific with john and kevin uh and said uh, this property has been off the tax rolls for a generation. Uh, I'm, I'm an East Lawn alumnus, okay? I mean, the East Lawn, the East Lawn site is very well known to me personally. Um, it, it, our community has benefited from it for generations. And again, only speaking for myself, I thought it's appropriate that since the school district is selling the property, we put it back into production, if you will so that a private developer with a great track record can develop a market rate project uh, on the site. Um, candidly, pilots are controversial. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and, and others, but I'm only here speaking for myself, I did not want the East Lawn site to become the subject of controversy before the city council, mm-hmm. and yet here we are. Um, we had some, I had some concerns that are particular to this site Uh, and I mean I'm not anti-pilot I think there's clearly a need for affordable housing in our community Uh, pilots may be in some circumstances the right approach Uh, but again I had some concerns about this particular site and made it very clear we are going with River Caddis because they're not proposing a pilot I understand circumstances change Um, I understand the decision to shift gears I think I understand The reasons for it Um, I have interacted with real estate developers throughout my career Um, I've never had a real estate developer when a deal goes off the charts positive come back and say I want to share the money with everybody but the minute it goes sideways they come looking for everybody else to say you got to help me fix this deal the deal went sideways on them that was a risk that they took I, I am only here to share this perspective with the City Council because I thought it was an important data point that some of you may think is relevant. Um, and uh, I don't know, you've got a letter of support from the school district. Um, we extended the purchase agreement back in July. I, I did not know, I don't think any of us knew about the pilot until October. So, you know, this deal that was struck, I think think a year and a half, two years ago now, and has been extended as recently as July of 2023, was entered into because it was not going to be a pilot. Thank you for your time. I can right. stay. If, if you have questions, I can stay. But as I said, I've got Does anyone
1: have any questions? Board meeting. Just a
6: clarifying question. Yeah. So did you say like you've been talking about this you know, deal for over a year?
9: Well, I, I don't remember the date that mm-hmm. we met with the three- finalists uh but it's i know we extended the purchase agreement mm-hmm. in july of 23 and i think it was entered into in 22. Okay. so sometime in early 22 is when we began those discussions it may have been late 21.
6: okay
8: and you were against the pilot just because of the controversy okay.
9: well as i said i there, there are reasons that are unique to the site there are uh you know we i only speaking for myself um, it was important to me that this be a private market rate project and and I and I don't have a specific reason for that other than my personal belief that hey the school the community got the benefit of this when we needed it for a school we've made the decision based on population and a lot of other factors at the school district that we don't need the East Lawn site as a school anymore let's put it back into the market and let the market do what the market does uh, and for reasons, again, for reasons I understand, the market has not behaved in a way that the purchaser predicted that it would. That was a risk that they took. So Fair enough. Okay. Yep. All right. Thank
10: you. Okay.
11: Thank you. Okay. Right. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much.
9: <clears throat> Sorry okay. to drop that onion and
1: leave. But, uh. <laughs> Thank you. All right.
12: I said, that this is an opportunity for public comment. Please get up. Say your name and address. Good
11: afternoon.
12: Uh, Linda Barr. 2431 Damon Drive, Midland, Michigan. I'm here this evening not only as a member of the community, but as a resident of the neighborhood where the proposed River Cadiz development will be built. I'm also not here to try to convince the council to rescind their original approval of the River Cadiz. That ship has already sailed. We can't change that. They have the ability to go ahead with their project as they presented it. What i am here for is to ask the council to stand with the original approval and not support the most recent proposal from river caddis for in their words a realignment of their project a realignment if it meant changing where you put a driveway entrance is one thing but what river caddis is asking for is quite a bit different those of us in the neighborhood have had to relent to the powers of city hall all through this process of the river caddis approval We've questioned the lowering of the number of parking places in the complex, the fact that we've never seen a legitimate independent traffic study and any evidence that this type of project won't have a serious impact on the neighborhood or property values is uh, in the area is just kind of unusual. As a realtor with 47 years experience in this market, I can guarantee you it will make a difference. Um, of course, of all the concerns no longer have, have, we can't, We can't sway the fact that the council has already approved this as a market rate facility. And we know if they decided to do that, it's a done deal. Um, What isn't and wasn't the consideration of the original approval was a pilot program that could potentially deny the city of Midland over $27 million should the pilot run the full 45 years. How do you suppose local developers will feel if you allow this to be changed just because the out of area developer can't perform on the project that was approved? It's certainly difficult to deny our developers the same, the same benefit. When the two pilot projects that are under construction currently at Patrick and at Jefferson are completed, they will add 150 housing units to the current 700 plus homes, condos, and apartments in our neighborhood. If anyone believes that even that won't dramatically change the neighborhood, they're kidding themselves. On the River Catus promotional page called What We Do slash Our Approach, it says, and I quote, Our capabilities aren't defined by a project's size or scope. River Cadiz Development has the resources and acknowledged to handle any development project." End of quote. I guess that statement isn't true at all. Why should the taxpayers of Midland help fund the investment? When the various community groups and citizens spoke in support of the pilot, it felt a bit like a shaming of those of us who who live here who were not in favor of the project. The reality is that the majority of homes in the neighborhood um, are not, I mean, these are people who are humble, working class people, senior citizens. This is not a high end area. So the people that are there would be the kind of people that might be in, in, a, in a market rent property. River Katis was not approved for a pilot. There was no healthy debate about any potential need for a pilot at the original presentation and approval as it was sold as market rent complex. The fact that River Katis can't complete the project due to rising costs and interest rates should not be a concern of the taxpayers of our city. Perhaps they should scale back and size the scope of their project and submit a new plan. I hope Council will not only consider the request of River Catus, but consider and give voice to the citizens you represent. River Catus has every right to complete the project as it was originally approved. Helping them to do that through supporting a pilot that will make them whole is not the responsibility of the taxpayers of our city, nor should it be, especially when we have local developers who have a stake in this community that might well have provided a better opportunity for that parcel. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Any other comments? Okay, Mr. McCann.
10: Honorable Mayor, members of the Council, and for those that don't know me, I'm Tom McCann. And I've been here for 90 years in Medley. I was here when they were, still had uh, pipes on Main Street to tie up your horses. And I seen them up the, the, the uh, come up the horses up there. And, and if you lived uh, east of Carpenter Street, any, if you were going down Ashman and any of the cross streets east of Ashman in the spring and in the fall, you you was impassable. You'd have to get, get to, uh, pulled out because that's how bad it was. So I have been around for a while. And I've been in the rental business 68 years. Uh, that's when I started renting property. Everybody here tonight's on that pilot program, talker to talk about it. It's not a simple program, as Mr. Ornosta. You're, was sitting asking questions and trying to, go on. Uh, from the surface, it looks like it's a program to help, though the. the low income people. And I don't think there's anybody in this room that don't want to help low income people, but it comes through under a smoke screen to be honest, the way I see it. Uh, I don't know a lot of the, I don't know not being highly educated or educated probably very well at all. And so, not having a good use of the uh, English uh, vocabulary, I would call some of these things that uh, bleeding heart and jerking tears in trying to, You know that if you're against it, you you don't care about the, the low income. And, Of course, that's not true for. Ever since the low-income projects or people uh, started the program was here in uh, not '79, and since that time we've got 22 proper projects that's in that program in the pilot program. Many people, cities, uh, and communities have approved this project, their projects, and put them on pilot. But that's because they didn't fully understand the pilot program. It's not a simple program. It's very, very detailed. Uh, And so what it looks at from the surface is not what it really is. It's like maybe looking at an apple or an orange, it looks good, but when you get indoors, you're half rot. So, let me, you got to bear with me. I don't know if in this project that that we're talking about here tonight, if those rent rates include utilities or or not. Uh, That makes a difference. My first dealing with the pilot program was with Green Hills. At that time, Green Hills was put in, came to light in 1979, and they were granted a pilot program. That program was supposed to be a 30 year program. Well, what happened with the end of 30 years when it passed, you'd think they'd have to pay city taxes. Well, let me tell you what happened. When that third, before that 30 years expired, the Altman corporation gave that Green Hills property to the boys and girls club of America. And they're not, they're not a taxable organization. They pay no, they, they have to pay no taxes, but what did Altman do? They retained a right to operate it, that property and handle the money and the funds. It is the done the same the way it was when they were on the, on the, uh, Pilot program. In fact, it's better now because they don't pay anything. Alt money, and that and that's good business. I I can't you can't knock business people, but they're there where the money is. Who has the building? Who cares if it's not making any money? What is it worth? Nothing. But the boys and girls come. Got the building. Altman's got the money and doing their uh, it. And I have to assume that uh, with all of these other projects, I don't know how many are absolutely for the low income and how many can go out and get market rent. When they talk market rent, like over at Green Hills, I was renting 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I was renting apartments for a hundred and a half cheaper than Green Hills, because the market rent they call about is, in my understanding, is the state sets that rate, and the state, and but to get that rate, the states take the rates that bigger cities are paying, the higher rates, and so. And they they, they would get it here in Midland because that's that state rate. the only thing in the, on top of that rate, the people over in Green Hill the utilities the, the gas and the water was furnished, but they had to pay their own electricity on top of that, and so you know that that kind of kind of bothers me. Uh, If it if this program was really going to help the poor, I I mean I, hundred percent for. But when you take, of uh, like in this this particular case here tonight, out uh, of the two hundred and four, thirty six are for the poor, hundred and sixty eight is for the people with the money. And we're going to give them a tax break. it, um, I don't, I can't see, uh, how we're helping. You might be helping 36 people, but how about all the taxpayers? You know, if I was the taxpayer on any land in Midland, I, I would be down here. Everybody would be here tonight. I think that they fully understood the pilot program. Like I said, on the surface, it looks great. But when you get into it, I'm not in favor of it at all. Uh, When you go to the apply to rent one of these low incomes that's on the pilot, they make you fill out a form, and you've got to fill in this application. And you have to be less than the medium income, $30,000. Well, it goes on and asks the, one of the question is, what is your earned income? Well, if you got a W2, you can show them, but if you don't have it, you can't show them. And if you can't show an earned income, that they know how much you're making, they won't rent to you, period. They say, go see Tom McCann. <laughs> it's true. So over to Tom McCann, they came mm-hmm. and I've got many, many letters from pe- people who rented from me. In fact, I just had a lady come from Houghton, Michigan a couple months ago to see me, to tell me how much I helped her before I died. I've got letters of the from People who said they were going to lose their children. If it hadn't been for you, I, I would have lost my children. I got tear jerking letters Hope that I could show you. I can show you my books of what I get for rent and things. Now, I'm not starving to death, but I'm not taking cruises and spending my winters in Florida. Uh,
1: Mr. McCann. You know, over here, Mr. McCann. This, this, can I just?
10: 18 uh, percent of the the building, the the 36 units, they want to put in. I say, go ahead, give them a pilot p- program on 36 units only, the ones that's got the low income. Let's not give them the whole, the whole picture of the other 168 and put them on the pilot, you know, pilot program. Um, I could probably sit here all night and go on and on. I love
1: that about you, but I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> can I ask you one question? Yep, yeah, uh, I can hear uh, you, Maureen. Okay, I'm sp- trying to speak loud. I didn't get your address. I know it's on Jefferson. I just need the number.
3: Yes, ma'am. Your
10: address. Address. 3310 Jefferson Avenue. Okay. Been there since 1974. Okay.
1: Th- thank you. And I know you have a lot to say, but I know there's people, other people here who have something to say too. So, if you'd wrap it up, I'd appreciate it.
10: Uh, I, I still can't, I'm sorry, this is my fourth set of hearing aids that I still don't
1: okay. hear. That's all right. So,
10: I think old age has got me. But it, before I wa- leave here, let me just give you an indication. I've got apartments that I pay utilities on that rents for $400 a month at our I've got apartments, they were single bedroom. I've got a two bedroom apartments that I rent for 525. In fact, some of them are less because people have been there for some time. I've got tenants that's rented for me for over 40 years. And I don't raise the rent every six months or every year or every two years or every three years. I've got people that didn't pay any rent for for three years or four years because they were, they were sick and couldn't pay. Uh, and I'm not here looking for any handouts cause I'm not starving to death. But what I'm trying to say is that if we really want to help the, the, the people, let's do, do it, not help the guy who's trying to help themselves. Like Joseph Front. Now I, I don't know any, of, I know they're from Florida. These, when they first originated uh, th- this pilot program back in 79, they used to, there was ads ran in the papers outside of Midland. I'm talking sagging off the I seen and brought up here to the council, They were looking for tenants cause they didn't have enough people in Midland to run them. Now, when you got to go out of town and, and advertise to bring people here to fill up that the taxpayers here in Midland is subsidizing, there's something wrong with that picture. Now, I don't know how if how, who's all advertised this year at all, but I do know, I know this: that two or three times I have seen in the Midland Daily News ads from Joseph Run for two and three bedroom units. So I don't. I'm not convinced there's a shortage. There's a, there's a, there'll always be a shortage because there's some people that. They, they just, they, they don't care. I mean, they're, they don't even want a place to live. They're floaters, they're all over. Uh, in, in fact, I just I had a, some guys cutting trees for me here a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him, I said, well, the one guy, where do you live? Well, he I said, I, well, I thought he lived on the, up in Sanford on River Road, but he said, no. Oh, he said, I really don't have an address. I don't have a place to let them. Yeah. And I said, well, geez, why don't you go over to the open door? They could maybe find a place for you. Oh, no. he said, I'm not interested in that. You know, So like I said, there's people you can't help. Uh, I thank you for your time. And uh, I'll let some of the other people give you their opinion.
1: All right. Thank you very much.
13: Good evening, Mayor Donker and City Council. Okay. My name is Shelley Hobbs. I'm actually here as the President of the Board for the Affordable Housing Alliance at 3400 Isabella Street. My home address is 6014 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. I am here in support of the pilot program for a variety of reasons, namely because we don't have enough housing in the City of Midland, for the people of our community that don't have what most people in this room have. We currently have a waiting list of 200 people that are waiting to get affordable housing. So I'm gonna stop by a certain gentleman on my way out to get his card so he can can supply me with a couple hundred units. We currently have 94 units. All of our units are 30, 40, and 50% of AMI. and uh, a lot of the folks that live there can't hardly afford that. They're the people that, uh, that work at Meyer that bring your groceries out to your car because you don't have enough time, you're too busy, to, uh, to do your own grocery shopping. And um, Pilot is very confusing, I understand that, but it is the only tool that communities can use that have a, that we have available to us to be able to get more affordable housing units in the community. There's not a person in here that has enough money to build the units and make no money on them year over year over year. We need more housing units of all types in this community. So the fact that this development wants to do 30, 40, 60. Um, so 35 units, 30, 40% another um, 99 units to 60% uh, 60%, um, of AMI. Um, They're gonna make some money on the 120% AMI, that's how business works, they need to make money. Um, But in exchange for that, we help those who need the biggest lift in our community. And um, if you don't believe me, take a stroll underneath the bridges at night here in this community walk along the rail trail and look at all the homeless people that we have in our community. Yes, it's only 35 units, but that's 35 units more than we have to house now still leaves 165 on our waiting list. Don't know about everybody else's. Currently the property uh, at East Fond was built in 1947. So for 96 years, 97 years, it hasn't earned a damn nickel for this community. And we've all been just perfectly fine without it. <coughs> According to Jacob, we could put twenty-five um, medium-income houses on that property, and would come out about the same. The city would come out about the same in dollars, based on the fees that the uh, that the that would be paid through the pilot. People have concerns or complaints about the pilot. Then I suggest that you reach out to uh, your federal and state, individuals, at those levels, because they're the ones that put these programs into place, and they put them into place for a reason, because they understand that communities like ours, and we're a fairly healthy community, still cannot afford to build true affordable housing for those who are in most need in our community. So. If, um, if you really feel that this pilot isn't a good place to go, then I would hope that you'll give the uh, affordable housing Alliance a phone call tomorrow morning and tell them how many bedrooms that you'll be willing to rent out for a hundred dollars because we've got at least 200 people in this community that don't have a place t- to sleep tonight. They don't have a place to stay warm. They don't have a place to make a, a meal. Um, Lytec is also another really confusing, Um, acronym federal government loves state government loves acronyms. Um, what light really does is that it, it stops you from raising your rent. So here at affordable housing Alliance, we have not been able to raise our rents more than 5% when the government allows us to raise them. We make no money. And if we have to close our doors, that's 94 units, 94 families that are going to be on our streets. Because they don't have the damn money to pay for rent and when you only make $19,000 a year and you're expected to pay let me see the new units here on in uh, on Ellsworth $2,200 a month they're talking about even this particular complex Um, the rent's gonna be up where Um, to $2,000 a month on the top end well you work at Dow you work at DuPont and you make $125,000 125 or $150,000 a year. $2,000 a month is nothing to you. Most of the people that sit in our units don't make $2,000 a month. So if you sit there and you tell me that you, don't care, that you care about the poor, I'm going to call BS, because you don't. Yes, it's only 35 units. And yes, there are programs that help to, to um, affect the cost but that's because businesses businesses are in the business to make money, whether you like it or whether you don't. So um, everybody wants the government to take care of things. They're trying here with these programs. And we need to give them a chance. And a side note, in 1947, when Eastland School was built, Wheelock Park was a government-subsidized project where servicemen and women, servicemen who were coming home from the war, lived because nobody had any damn money. So I suspect back then we weren't paying taxes on all, those, on all of that property, on Jefferson and uh, Reardon, Cleveland, all of those areas. And I think that Midland being as blessed as we are can afford to give up a little bit of money, to put 35 more units, 30 and 40% AMI in this community. If you want your property taxes values to, to, to really hit the tank, let Dow and DuPont and everybody else leave because they can't house the people that they're trying to bring into our community. And that's not including the people that are already here that are generational that don't have the money. They can't pay the rent. that's what I, that's what I recommend. Thank you. All due respect for that young lady, my name is
14: Edna Milkai. 302 Princeton Court. All due to her respect, She's not, no, she doesn't know her history. My husband did, Ben Milkai. He worked till he was 78 years old. We worked together and we worked hard, and I'm a senior citizen, I will be 75 years old in June. The school that she was talking about, yes, it was built in 1947, but it wasn't given to the house, for housing for the men co- and women coming back from war. My house where it sits today was quite hut. And if anybody in here knew anything Ma'am, about you need Midland. To, you need to
1: address only us, please. If
14: anybody in here knew anything about Midland, they would know. All that court was Quonset huts. I reject the fact of having to pay for someone else to live behind me after my husband and I worked and this was going to be our retirement home. He never lived to see it. He died of bone cancer two years ago, five years ago. We only worked, he worked till he was 78. He died when he was 80. We worked very hard. Now, I'm on a fixed income thanks to my husband. We own a home. I want to keep it raising my taxes higher and pay, making my uh, yard and my home deflate the property value of it. It's not helping me. And another thing I'd like to say, if they want to build this, where's the money going to come from? We need jobs. We need manufacturing jobs. We cannot live on retail. It's not going to work. Short and long of it, that's my say. I reject having to pay for this.
1: Thank you. Sir, you, then you, then you. And I ask you to stick to the point and...
7: Yes, ma'am. Sorry, my name's Tim Giblin, 401 East Ashman. That's the house I actually own in Midland. Uh, sorry to interrupt you earlier, but I thought you asked a question that's a, granted I'm not a commercial mortgage broker, but we should all know what a commercial mortgage incentive translates to in the loan percentages. Because if it comes out to 0.1% to the developer, that's not a negotiating point as far as the loan, or as far as the pilot program, but if they get interest reduction because of those tax incentives. We should know that because that should change whether or not you approve it because they are already getting their money's worth somewhere else, and I think that's something you should be able to answer for everybody because if you're gonna tell someone they sign up for a program that does create an incentive on the market, it's going to change the market. Whether that's significant or not, I don't know, but y'all should be aware of that before you vote, quite frankly. Uh, I don't know if y'all know me very well, I've done a lot of work at Open Door over the years. Uh, I've been working back and forth between Midland and Detroit since 2004, and I went to high school here. And I've heard a lot of things people are saying.
1: Sir, I need you to address us.
7: Sorry, a lot of people are saying that this is the only option. And quite frankly, I've been with seven, and I've been casually involved with seven different developments with community outreach in Detroit about multi-million dollar projects that are quite frankly, all of them are bigger than this. And the concept that the pilot program is your only a- option to make this thing happen is ludicrous because y'all are the ones that can change the tax break for Midland. So first of all, it's not your only option. If you wanted to say the exact same terms as the pilot program and just not do it through the state, but do it through the city and say 35 years or 25 years, you guys have the power to do that. So everyone's claiming this is the only option. First of all, that's ludicrous. You have the option to change any of these terms the way you want. Granted, then they might lose the LITAR, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that, option. But that's a, something y'all should consider, that do you have something internally you could do that would be a more reasonable compromise if you feel this is an unreasonable compromise that could still incentivize them to show up? Because I've never seen 45 years in my life except in Midland. I have been around tons that were 10 years, and yet the market's changed. The reason I'm back in Midland is I was involved with a $5 million development part of the community outreach and the insulation value in Detroit that fell through because cost of building materials are not 40 something percent. You know, that's why I moved back. Granted, my wife never left. So it's kind of a little better that for me and everyone else. So first of all, that's crazy that people are saying y'all don't have options because you, the board do have these options and I think you should consider that. But more importantly, I was doing math on the this morning when I started reading everyone's posts online. And quite frankly, Those 35 units, the amount of money that they are giving up by having those 35 units is within 5% of what you're giving them directly. And if you're gonna tell me that the Midland Public Schools and you would sell someone a property without insisting on a single for 200 units that you wouldn't expect one, even one unit of subsidized housing to be in there as a condition of building it, then you have a fair deal. But that's not true. Would you allow someone to build a 200 unit thing, and I don't know the original terms of the deal here before it became a pilot program, but with the pilot program, how many subsidized housing units were there? Were there any? No. Okay, I don't get why we approved that in the first place then, but you have all this leverage of saying yes or no to the deal. So, and then the other question is, why are you, why are you saying just 35, and can they use the Mishta tax credits for those 35 questions, those 35 units, because no one's answered that question today and that's what I was hoping to hear today. Because if they can use the tax credits for those units, they aren't losing a penny. If you wanted to say something along the lines of 35 units at the lower rate and you have to accept the MISTA tax credits, which would not cost them a penny as a condition of this deal for say another 35 people, that would get 35 people out of the open door. Granted, speaking as myself, not open door. And that wouldn't cost them anything. It's just the MISTA credits, accepting those credits, those vouchers, is a logistical hassle. You could easily say, as a condition of this, first of all, I don't agree with the 45 years, but that's beside the point right now. You could say the MISTA vouchers do not count in those 35 units, and you have to accept another 35 units of MISTA vouchers. Y'all have the authority to say that, and I don't understand why people aren't talking about that, that saying that it's nothing or 35 units, when y'all could get more, that doesn't cost the developer anything beyond a little bit of paperwork and make the community get so much more out of this, I don't understand the issue.
15: Okay,
1: anything else?
7: No, ma'am, that's it. Okay,
1: thank you. All right, in the back. Sir, in the back. Wait, yeah, ma'am, this gentleman was first.
16: My name is Fred Jones. I live at 214 or 114 Princeton Court. Um, I've been to every meeting except for the last one. The last one, I was pretty angry. You chose this at market rate, but you keep changing. Um, no one in the neighborhood is against affordable housing. Yes, there might be some people that are against it. No one in my neighborhood is against affordable housing. Um, started out as 204 now it's 35 low income Um, I'm just here basically to see if my son who's 14 if he's going to pay be paying this man in 45 years Um, we talk about people need jobs people can't afford rent in places Meyer was brought up Um, I I believe the housing study showed that if we're gonna put you know mass housing somewhere don't put it all in one neighborhood we have a 50 unit development going up one block away from there. We have another maybe 100, three or four blocks from there. And if they need to work at Meyer, maybe put it on that side of town. Um, but like I said, I'm just here to see if my 14 year old go home and answer to him that he's gonna be paying this man for his property. That's all.
1: Okay. very good. Sir, I believe you were next. No, there's people behind you, ma'am. I know there are. Letting you know. Okay, I got,
17: I got you. How you doing? I'm Justin Furillo, 307 Norfolk Street. Mm-hmm. I'm not originally from Midland. I'm actually from Florida. Okay. Um, okay. And in Florida, we had an LIHTC. I didn't know it had a fancy name. Light Tech. Light tech. Uh, my friend happened to own it, um, or his father did. And he said it was cash cow. It was a dollar-for-dollar dollar tax write-off. Uh, he used that to write off his other place, he had 267 units here, and he used it to write off all the profits on his other units. So if I'm wrong, perhaps Sir, sure,
1: that- you need to talk to us.
17: Okay, no problem. So if I'm wrong in that understanding, I was 19 at the time. Um, and then this gentleman has already basically said about the vouchers, and I echo that. Um, 35 units for... If we're talking 200 units, that's going to make a debt. That's what she said we're needing, not 35. To get somebody that much money for 35 units is absurd, in my opinion. That's all I have to say.
1: Thank you very much. Ma'am, yes.
18: Thank you. I'm Pam Gandy. I live at 2305 Wilder Road in Midland. And I'm here, my husband and I own 30 units, rental units in Midland. We're similar to Mr. McCann. We rent to a lot of people that are, you know, kind of down and out, not making a lot of money. We're like Mr. McCann, we don't raise our rates. Every time the market goes up, we try to be reasonable and sensible and work with these people. My problem is with this deal is, we don't get a break on our property taxes. Could we charge more rent? Should we charge more rent? We probably should. A business person would say we're stupid for not, but we feel we're doing the right thing. But we don't get a break on our rent. We didn't get a break on our rent when we didn't get tenants that didn't pay us rent for six months in 2020. That's one problem I have. These people, this unit, the people that live in these units are gonna contribute, I figured to be about $475 a year based on the $97,000 figure that was in the material. Now to come find out it's 20, 25,000. What is that? hundred, bucks a, a unit. How does that even pay for the garbage? Much less the additional people that we're going to need for police, you know, fire, whatever, all the other services that the city of Midland provides. We, the other taxpayers are going to be happy to pick that up. My third thing is um, I'm a CPA and I would look through the financial material that was posted on the website. Um, I'm not sure if I missed details or if there was just the one big 265 page paper that was put out there, but I saw operating expenses 1.7 million and I don't know if you were all privy to what that, what that is, but from my standpoint I sure would like to know what made up those operating expenses. Say. Are they reasonable? Are they not reasonable? When you look at their their website and what they're developing here, you know, we're talking about, which I agree with the needing 200 units, but if you don't have a house, do you need a fitness unit? Do you need upgraded appliances? If you look at the things they're putting into these units, is that really necessary? If we want, is that what we would be doing for low entry, low income housing? that's my final point. Thank you. Very
1: good, thank you. Ma'am in the red. So you, then Patrick, then in the back, so.
19: Okay. Hmm. Um, Jill Freeland, 218 Princeton Court. Um, I'm getting into this a little late because of health issues, but um, I just have some points I wanna just bring up and hopefully you guys have considered them. Um, you know, what the one lady said earlier about the feasibility studies about the traffic and the utilities and things like that and sewer and all that stuff, is that, do we have the capability to, to have the, those 200-some units in our neighborhood? You know, since they tore down Princeton, tore down the school, my backyard's been flooding halfway up, where before I only had a corner of it flood. Because my place backs up, backed up to the school. I don't know what they did there, but I'm not happy with it. Um, one thing too, I think, I've worked with the the homeless population here in Maryland <coughs> through an a different agency, and um, I'm not going to name the agency because I'm not representing them. But we forget we have a lot of people on disability. You know, they're not they may they're. A, some of them only get $900 a month. They can't afford 450, especially if they have to pay utilities. You know, um, Tom McCann and this other woman, whoops, I needed to point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, they do give, our, give people that I work with breaks. But it's difficult to find somebody a place that they can afford, because they're on disability, so they, also, they have other increased costs. Unfortunately, I have to go on disability. I cannot continue to work, but I luckily I've made some investments along the way, and I'll be all right. But I I also want to stay in my house. I still have to pay my mortgage. Um, and let's see, we've got you know we've got these two new complexes that are coming up. Um, let's see what what they do. Because this, you guys, it was mentioned the housing study. Is it the housing study or the homeless study? Housing. Okay, because I know every year they do a homeless study, a homeless count, Mm -hmm.
1: because
19: we were part of that. But it is a housing. Right, that was different. The The homeless count is a completely different thing. Okay, but does uh, information from the homeless count have to play into the housing? I don't, I, I don't know, because I mean, mentioned 218, you know, it was done in 2018. And at that time, I think Green Hill, everybody had been gone, had left, um, they were not allowed in Green Hill and some of them were staying in hotel rooms and therefore considered homeless. They were not in there. So wherever that data came from. I just, you know, is everybody, I'm just concerned. You know, it's gonna change the neighborhood. I can't imagine having, you know, 200, 400 more people in that neighborhood. I, I live between where there's a walkway. It's a shortcut, shortcut to Kroger's to the post office. And, um, you know, what are they gonna do with that? Is that gonna be left there? I don't want people walking next to my house. You know, that, I think that needs to be addressed as well. You know, right now, Edna and I, we keep it up in terms of mowing it and stuff, but, uh, You know, that's not our responsibility. The city's supposed to be doing that. I can't, well, unfortunately, last year, I've not been able to do it because of this, but, uh, so Edna's been doing it. But yeah, I mean, I just wanna, are you guys doing your research? Are you getting the data? You know, is it making sense? Because like I said, I'm relatively getting into this. I don't understand all of it because I haven't been able to get too involved, so. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Right, right, Mr. Panacek.
20: Patrick Panacek, 2525 Northeastman Road, Midland. I'm gonna be very careful where I direct my comments here today. <clears throat> First of all, there's probably not too many people more supportive of development than myself and my family. <clears throat> we try to do everything we can for the city of Midland. Um, but I'm asking you today to deny this request as proposed and I've got five fundamental reasons here. The first one in all transparency, I and a group of investors was interested in this property and project when initially proposed and quite frankly, I read through all hundreds of pages of the history of this project. However, we didn't feel that we had the experience or the capability to follow through on the project, to propose it and follow through, but apparently either did the successful better. So we didn't feel that we could propose and follow through with a plan for that property we didn't even submit. Number two, I don't feel that the proposal should change midstream. Uh, in many, many legal circles, this would be grounds for a redo or a start over. Number three, this pilot, uh, pilot program for 44% for 45 years, is not fair to the Midland taxpayers. And I should say, certainly we're all interested in housing uh, for the residents in Midland, but uh, not under the terms and conditions proposed here. Number four, if for some reason you should approve this pilot request, I feel that the City of Midland has an ethical obligation to go back to the three previous pilot programs and offer the same terms and conditions to them. And I can see, speak from that from experience here because a few couple months ago, we were fortunate enough to have the City Council approve a new daycare, addressing another critical need in the City of Midland. We didn't ask for a pilot program. And that particular multi-million dollar project is gonna provide many more employ, employment opportunities than this project. So with that, I'm requesting that you deny the re- the submittal of the pilot program as presented thank you right,
1: thank you um the woman in the green in the back then miss draves
11: good evening denise sigmund 2009 westbury drive i'm a lifelong midland resident i love this community I am very concerned with this proposal. The percentages that of based on how many units would be for affordable housing and the percentage of their, what their tax status would be is incredibly ridiculous. There are other alternatives that should be explored Apparently tonight, my understanding was that their their financial situation changed. And so now in order to complete the project, they need to do the pilot program. As Mr. Lauterbach had said, there were other proposals that were on the table. They were chosen because it wasn't a pilot program. I don't think that that locks you into a final decision to say that, oh, well, we have to take this or not, then I guess it should be or not. I formerly owned a business in Midland. It became financially um, unworkable for us and I ended up closing. I never went to ask for anyone else for help, for taxes or any other situation just like other businesses and other institutions in this community have done. I'm not against helping people find affordable housing. You see that on Ask Midland, on Facebook all the time, desperately looking for help. I just think there are other options and ways to go about this because I honestly don't know that I could afford To add extra taxes. My taxes, the house I've been in, I've been in for 15 years, my taxes have more than doubled since I bought that house. And with the housing market the way it is, I had looked at selling, but then I'd end up having to buy something else at an exorbitant rate. There's got to be a solution for the community to help these people. I understand that. I just don't feel that I could potentially end up not being able to pay my taxes. That's not going to help the city because we want to help support another proprietor that isn't from our own community.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
14: Thank you. I'm Mary Drays, 4615 East Parish, Midland. Um, I was here last week. Uh, I had the uh, opportunity to address you, and I'm here again this week. I am the current chair of the Midland Business Alliance in Midland. Uh, We came last week to uh, express our support for this. Um, I'm here again to express our support for the pilot on behalf of our membership. Also, you heard from some of our uh, larger members um, about the need for more housing um, for their employees. Uh, We strongly urge you to pass this this evening um, and do appreciate the opportunity to give comments.
21: Okay. Hello, I'm uh, Richard Greer, uh, 524 Hillcrest. Um, I'm going to stand up here, I guess, basically because you guys are keeping track of who's yay and who's nay, so I want to go uh, on the record. Uh, I'm not against a pilot, per se, but I think, as Mr. Panachik uh, expressed earlier, I think a you know, pilot at the current terms is, you know, is unreasonable. Um, you know, For all the discussion of wanting to do something for affordable housing, it seems to me... You know, if, I'm, if my math is, is in the ballpark, they an 80% tax break for less than 20% of the units being affordable, you know, in the 30 to 40% range, that just seems, you know, out of whack to me. Um, my thought is that we're looking at a, you know, kind of a false dichotomy of choices here. Um, you know, I don't, as, as I think Ms. Sigmund stated, uh, I don't think it's a choice of, of, you know, do it now. There's also a choice of doing nothing. And as much as I don't want to exacerbate the affordable housing uh, issue, I would rather have no deal for a period of time, whether it's a year or two years, whatever it takes to make it more economically viable than to lock into something for 45 years. I just, that, that boggles my mind. Um, and I guess uh, there was something mentioned earlier. It was a, a point about, you know, what changed. It was a question about what changed, and there was, there was no incentive tools because the land isn't a, isn't a brownfield. I'm not sure if I understood all the, all the points of that correctly. Um, I really have to question whether from a planning and estimating standpoint whether these folks really have all their ducks in a row um, if six months made such a huge difference. Um, didn't they know? Didn't they have a, any kind of land assessment before they went into this to know what you know, potential remediation was going to be required? To me that seems like something they would have known before they would have you know, actually put out a purchase agreement for something like this. So, I, um, I, you know, I know there was some discussion and I have no background. You know, I only know what Google has, has told me. Um, but I do think there's other communities that have had concerns, um, and it wasn't just about whether they asked for an asset, you know, other other incentives, uh, you know, handouts. It was a question I think in, in Idaho where they said, you know, it was going to be significantly more money than what they had planned. And again, that kind of comes back to whether or not they're, they're estimating accurately. And if, and if you approve this at 4% and they come back and they can't stay within the budget, what's your, what's your fallback plan? What do you do then? So I, I personally would be in favor of either reworking the terms or doing nothing until conditions get better. So it's a win-win for everybody. I don't begrudge them their chance to make, you know, make a fair dollar, but I don't think it should be on the back of everybody else that pays taxes here.
1: Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, I think this gentleman was before you. Then you, then you. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep.
22: My name is Doug Luce. I live at 3409 Pine Grove Drive. Some people know that I came to town a few years ago after the flood and came in and saved Village West from being bulldozed. And quite frankly, it was about two months away from being a toxic waste dump because you had about two more months worth of warm weather and it would have needed to go on the ground because it wouldn't be livable. So timing was of the essence. Um, when I came to town, I, uh, I looked at it and tried to convince the town or the, pe- the people that lived there that we can rebuild it. It couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. And
1: uh, Mr. Lewis, you need to look I'm at us. Sorry.
22: Yep. So at the end of the day, I came up with a plan that I thought would actually do the job. We rebuilt, put it back together, and, and my intent was to put affordable, the reason... I targeted rentals was because it's, it was to force that, in, that community to be insured properly and to be managed properly and be taken care of. Now nothing against the individual people that have been part of the board for the last 40 years, but along the way they made a lot of bad decisions and it led to that. So we turned them into rentals. So we added 46 units to the rental fleet. Those people in that community right now pay $460 a month in taxes, in taxes to the city, wow. the people that live in Brooks Estates pay about $150 a month in taxes per month. The people that live in many of <clears throat> Mr. McCain's places pay about $120 to $200 a month in taxes. So the fact that he can rent these par- these properties for $500 a month and 120 of that's going to the taxes should say something. He predominantly lives in the world of single family homes. I live in the world of single, single family homes. I'm also speaking for three other landlords who can't be here tonight. Mike Skinner, who's a friend of mine, most of his properties rent, for <coughs> the 1400 700 1100 1500 price range, he pays $220 a month in taxes. You can see there's a huge range of what people are paying in the city. Now, I'll admit, I'm attempting to get my taxes reevaluated to try and get my renters to a point where they can afford to stay at that rent rate as long as possible. My rent is at $1,850 a month. That's where it started at. I was told by the city assessor that I needed to charge $2,500 a month in order to afford my tax bill. The moral of the story is there are thousands and thousands and thousands of single-family homes in this city that are currently being rented. We have an opportunity to drive those rental properties into the rental market that we acknowledge in the city. Instead, we treat those like single-family homes by for sale by owner, and they are taxed at the highest possible rate that you can possibly tax a property. If we want to try and create affordable homes, Tom McCain's got 50 years of doing it. He's taken homes that were decrepit, rebuilt them, put them back together, and rents them to people. We have a lot of people in $50,000 homes that would love to move into a $150,000 home, but there's not one available, so they stay in the $50,000 home. When they finally do leave, people aren't moving into those houses. You have people like Tom McCain and myself and other people in the community that are buying those houses and converting them to rentals, but they're barely making it. My subdivision is barely making it because we're treating everything that is not a condominium or a, an apartment complex as the only option for rentals in the city. There's tons of ways we can solve this problem. But the first one is to get a handle on how we can manage the assessment process, how we can manage the rentals within our community. I guarantee you that if I go right down there today to the building department and ask Nathan for the list of all the rentals that he is required to inspect in the city of Midland, it never even sees your desk as a rental in the city of Midland. Because at this point, we're talking about apartments. Well, apartments have connotations, right? So if you wanted to give somebody a step up in life, would you give them an apartment or would you give them the opportunity to rent a single-family home that's affordable to them? At the end of the day, there's thousands of these homes in Midtown. There's actually, I drove around Midtown one day. There's 150 or more empty lots in Midtown. And I call Midtown, I've been working with um, John Bartos for over two years. I know he's proposed a a system to you guys to create affordable housing. He's talked to me about managing it and coming in and creating housing that will elevate the folks that are currently there into a next level up house. And then we take and have a plan for that house to be developed. And then you create affordable rentals out of those. I'm not saying you can't build apartments. I'm just saying there's a lot more opportunities here than meets the eye. When I talked about our rent, $460 a month in taxes, the proposed tax on the units that are in this pilot program, $39 a month. His upper level rent is planned for 2000 a month. It's planned to be higher than my rent that is currently in the, pro- in the system, in my complex, and my, my people pay 12 times more taxes for the same services in the city of Midland. I've always always told that property taxes are to provide services for the people in the community. If you're telling me that those people aren't going to use nearly as many services, that's fine. Cut them off from the services. But I suspect we're all going to be equal. Everybody gets an equal fair share at the services. So to be able to create competition for myself, for Brooks Estates, for John Wilson, for myself, for Mike Skinner, for all the other renters in this town. It's going to create severe pressure in the midterm, so we're going to have to scramble. Some of us are going to have to drop our rent just to keep our places full. My place is never full. I have three open vacancies coming on December 1st. I have one that's open right now. I checked on the website on two or three of the other places, I found 15 open units in less than 10 minutes. So I'm not saying that the 2018 study wasn't accurate, but it did not include single-family homes. It did not include many of the people that were involved in the, the smaller versions of all this. John Partos brought me into a project and many of you know about it. It's about a study or about a a community in Indiana that developed a plan where they came in and said, we're going to create building plans. We're going to provide the lots and we're going to provide a expedited inspection process because you have the plans in your hands. Come to our department. We'll give you the hand. We'll give you the plans. We're going to give you a lot at a discounted rate, bring in 50 or 60 builders instead of developers and have the builders build houses. If you take out the markup from the contractor to the builder and then the builder to the developer, you're talking about reducing something like 30% of the cost of a project. Now this project has to be managed by a developer. But at the end of the day, all of that property could be developed with duplexes, quads, 25 units on that property I think is a little thin. I think you can put a lot more in there personally. I've looked at it. It's, it's insane what, we're, what we've decided to back up against. And then to tell my people that they have to pay four sixty dollars a month, and those folks over in that complex paying the exact same rent only got to pay $39 a month for the same services. That's a little bit twisted to me. That property's got to be worth a lot of money. I don't know what it's worth. I don't know if it's been appraised. I don't know if it's been assessed. But the assessor has told me that my property is worth $2.2 million. It's in a floodplain, it's half wetlands, it's got a city drain going through it, but it's worth $2.2 million. So what is the value of that property to somebody in this town that might buy it, build it, do whatever on it? So yes, it was a school. It should be put to good use, but at the end of the day, we're not losing anything. Um, a couple of other weird numbers that I came across, because I'm a calculating guy. The net present value of this proposal is $12.8 million. So you're essentially going to hand a developer $12.8 million in cash, say, do with it what you will. If I wanted to pay the last bill that the city has agreed to at this point, I would only have to put away $11,000 in the bank today and leave it there, and I could pay the last tax bill with $11,000, of which less than a quarter of it's going to go to the city. So essentially, I can go put about, what, $3,000 in the bank and pay the city's portion of the taxes 40 years from now. It seems there's something missing, and I'm not sure what it is. I think the community as a whole needs to take a look at how we charge taxes to single-family dwellings that are being rented legitimately. Can you do that? I don't know. There's always ways that crooks are going to get around the system. But at some level, the city has probably, I don't know for sure, I can honestly say I didn't do a count, but I'm gonna have it within two weeks, I will have the rent rolls from the inspector who inspects all the rental properties in the city, and I will know exactly how many single family homes are being rented, and inspected by the city, and how many apartments there are. So, I think moving in that direction is more beneficial. This proposal, sets everybody up for nothing but a nightmare for the going forward. And I will say that I didn't know anything about this meeting until over a week ago, or a little over under a week ago. I didn't even know that this was pre- presented to the developers, Deschanos, so I knew him, I knew him in high school, I went to high school with him, who built the other, the, the Lincoln Park project, I think is what he's working on. So in the middle of this, Tom McCain's got 140 cases. He's fighting for his life all the time to keep his taxes under control so that his renters can afford his houses. I'm in the middle of a three year battle to try and get my taxes under control and we're handing out all of that money to somebody to build competition for me and for all of the other places in town. Because this is truly, when I saw that it would not adversely affect other rental properties in the city, I just about, fell out of my chair. I looked at it again, I said, they really say that? That it will not adversely affect other rental properties. I think it will. I think it's gonna have a huge impact. 200 units within six blocks of my place, within less than that, evidently there's lots of them that are out there that are in (laughs) that neighborhood. But that neighborhood needs to be developed. So all I'll say is that going forward with this project, it may appear that we're gonna do something good for the folks. Um, $20,000 is not super low income. $75,000 is definitely not low income in our neighborhood. Our AMI is $63,000. i have not seen it written down, I've not seen anybody talk about it, I've never seen anybody say it out loud, but our assessor assured me that our AMI is 63000 because that is exactly what she put in some documents that she forwarded on to me. So $75,000 in income is about the average of what my folks in my community live in, earn. So I don't know how people are saying that only Dow can afford $2,000 houses or only these employees. It really comes down to what can they afford in the time that they're living at that that point in their life. But $20,000 isn't gonna address the truly, needy folks. So I think there's other solutions. I think there's solutions that have been in place for other projects. So I think we need to start addressing those if if the foundations are going to help build up all these buildings within the city, why don't we go and create a system that will help generate some process by which we can provide some affordable housing, even if it's, you know, single family homes or multiple family homes, but to shove somebody into a place and say, yep, you're going to be in an apartment or a condo or a, for the rest of your life, I think we can do better than that at this point, so. Very good,
1: thank thank you. You. You.
23: What, you don't know me by name yet? I thought I was getting a Christmas card, I do, I do. I thought I was getting a Christmas card. Brandy Brown, 118 Princeton Court, uh, Midland 48640. I wasn't gonna speak tonight until I saw there was a nice little count of how many people actually spoke last week, so I'm not gonna sell ourselves short after fighting this battle for a year. Um, What I did want to bring up tonight, I don't think it really has been addressed, is when this initially was brought to the attention of um, the East Lawn community, Um, one of the questions was, was how many people were outreached about this development, and it was within 50 yards, and only really the residents of Princeton Court were reached out to, so we went door to door, and we got everybody involved, and that very first meeting of the council was huge. I don't know if you guys remember how late we were here. I think it was to midnight, and that's why you guys set your time limits. Looking like that again tonight because we went door to door. We put it on Ask Midland because it affects more than just this area. It affects every taxpayer in this community. It affects everybody who's a business owner because it's taxes. We all pay it. We knew we were going to pay it when we grew up. Uh, it's it's taxes. It, it's Taxes aren't just for you guys or whoever gets paid. It's for the police officers, it's for the ambulance, it's for the snow removal, it's for the trash. I'm I'm not from here, so I was surprised trash was included in taxes, but I'm really excited about it. That's been great, but we pay that amount for us, and they shouldn't get a tax break. I, I mean, we're all paying the same stuff, so I just thought it was really like I said, we put it on Ask Midland, we put it on Midland complaints, we put it out there for everybody to know, and that's why there's such a turnout tonight. It wasn't because anybody's got a letter from anybody from the city. It was because we went door to door, we went knocking and we put our heart into this because it really does matter. At the end of the day, it does. Um, Like Fred said, his kid is 14 years old. Is he gonna be paying for it by the time we're retired? It's just, and I know it's not really us paying for it, but in the same aspect, it it truly is because we're not getting that tax break. That's $600,000 a year that's unaccountable. Uh, have you rode down Jefferson lately? Because I need an alignment after driving up and down Jefferson to get my skid back to school up front. Um, my other thing is the word community has been thrown out so, so much and River Cadets has been here since 2021. Was that it Steve, 2020, 2021? A few years. What have they done for our community? Have they sponsored a baseball team? Have they sponsored a basketball team? Have they given back to our community in a manner that makes sense because there you go. That's your, that's your tax break right there. You want a tax break, put it into our community. Put in thousands and millions of dollars into our community, and there's your tax break. It doesn't have to be given this way. As you can tell, we have a lot of people here who have a lot of heart and a lot of things that are invested in this community. I've never met such a nice 90-year-old gentleman who takes the time, who should be enjoying the rest of his life, come in and put his heart into a matter of helping our community. That right there is who I want to give the tax credits to. It's not some excuse me, I don't want to call him a name, but a slimy investor who really doesn't have heart in this community. I mean, how many times can you change a plan in how many communities? It's, I I mean, if I was like the lady in red, it's bullshit, respectfully. She said, damn, so I'm allowed to say bullshit. It's it's insane. And what else is going to change when this goes through? Is it all going to be low-income housing? Because, hey, you know, we brought that up. So I'm just saying, how many times can a plan get changed before it's, We need the refresh, we need to put this back on the market to see who really can invest and be a good partner to our community. So, thank you, I hope I don't have to see you guys again. Merry Christmas, Happy Thanksgiving. Say bye.
1: Very good. Any other comments from the public?
24: Good evening, Madam Mayor and members of council, Nicole Wilson, I serve as Vice President of Economic Development at the Midland Business Alliance, and I am a City of Midland resident and taxpayer at 18 Lexington Court. Um, a couple of key points that I wanted to share with you after having kind of intimate conversations and reviewing in quite detail the proposal before you. Um, the original project approval that you all saw earlier this year was, in fact, the tentative preliminary PUD. So it doesn't necessarily have any bearing on the rental rates or model, um, whether affordable, attainable, workforce, whatever moniker you want to use. So just so we're clear about what that approval looked like when you, when you looked at it. I think another um, item that's worth noting is back in 2019 when this project was put out for RFP, construction costs were about $175 a square foot. Today, construction costs are teetering right around $300 a square foot. That's pretty significant across 204 units of housing. The interest rate increase alone in the last six months has increased that project pro forma about $7 million. All of those are pretty significant factors in a project pro forma. <laughs> Something that isn't necessarily of bearing, but of, of relative interest to you, is that in other states, many other states, most other states, when litec credits are approved, the local body doesn't get an option to approve tax abatement at any level. Those are simply approved as a result of the litec being approved. So just just a little piece on that, and and competitive uh, litec credit credits credits are time? competitive. Wait. We.
6: Yeah. Oh you sure. I can repeat that. One yeah, absolutely.
24: Time? In most states where LIHTC is a tool, the low-income housing tax credits, when those are approved, when they're won at the state level, mm-hmm. the local body is automatically required to completely abate the taxes on that property. It is not a pilot; mm-hmm. it is completely abated as a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, as a part of the, the MISHTA review of this project, um, without local support, the state doesn't support. So that's where those terms kind of really come together. Um, I think we've talked about this in previous meetings, but the rental rates and AMI ranges identified in this development directly correlate to pay ranges for our nurses and our teachers, to incredibly um, needed occupations across our community. You heard from my Michigan last, uh, last week, and um, you've heard from Midland Public Schools previously, I believe, in a letter of support, and we actually had the opportunity to sit down with Brian Bruton from Midland Public Schools to interview him about how housing has impacted their ability to attract and retain teachers. And he cited that as the number one factor in the ability to attract teachers is the lack of housing in the, in the AMI range that they can afford to pay. Um, the same thing goes for MyMichigan as you heard Chuck Sherwin talk about last week that the ability to attract talent for MyMichigan to support those critical occupations Um, rely solely on the ability to find housing in our community. I think you've heard plenty that LIHTC credits are exceedingly competitive. Um, The fact of the matter is that these credits are being used across our state and these investments are being made in other communities for a program that we are all in some part supporting with our tax dollars. So those are happening across the state. Um, They're highly regulated. LIHTC is looked at not only by Mishta at the state level but are also regulated by the IRS and HUD at the federal level. So you can actually go out, um, I'm happy to share the link, where you can look at um, all of the LIHTC projects that are approved in the city, in the state, in the country, and um, you can look at what those look like. So you can see what the credit, um, the 4%, 9%, you can also see what they're approved in terms of length of pilot and percentage. Takes a little bit of digging, but I'm happy to share that link with you if you'd like. I think we've mentioned this before, LIHTC and pilot terms, it's not just a willy-nilly decision on 45 years. Those are directly correlated to the length of the debt service on a project. And those same regulations that um, allow for these credits to move forward also cap the developer's return. So it isn't as if they can make 30 to 40 or 50 percent on this project. The reality is they have to report to Mishta on the amount of return that they are receiving. And if my memory serves, it's 10 percent. And developer fees are really the cost of doing the project. Just like you and I make a salary, so do the developers, so that they can pay their their staff. It's about 10%. The only other piece that I'd like to mention to you is that in terms of best practices in housing development, this project checks those boxes. Mixed income is what is considered as best practice at this point. Um, As a matter of fact, um, many communities are now requiring 20% of low income, 60 percent to or below in every housing development that's being built across all communities. and that's happening across our state. that is true. And so for that reason, the mixed income model is what is considered best practice at that point. And with that, thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. All
1: right, sir
24: Yep, yeah, good. Yeah, Mr.
1: Fick.
8: I'm Frank Fick, I live at 214 Princeton Court. Um, after consideration, uh, I, I think my best, for my own opinion, is maybe you should take a break on this and maybe reevaluate at some stuff uh, on this particular project and come up with, because I've heard several different things, and I'm not trying to villainize Caddis, Themselves, but they said they had other investors at one, I think the housing, I don't know what was the name of it, the housing um, alliance or something that happened at the enforcement, law enforcement agency on November the 2nd. They had said that they had some investors from Lansing that was nonprofit, and they said they were looking for other investors. Um, I think you got, um, as a council, I think you need to consider that. I think you, You should have a little bit more transparency involved with this before you make your final decision. Thank you.
25: Good evening, Madam Mayor. Uh, Members of Council, Grant Marshall, uh, 2119 Bayless Street. I actually live just a block away from this property. I um, wanted to come up tonight to really um, paint a little bit of a picture around uh, intention because I think this has become a very controversial site, a very controversial funding model. Um, but at the end of the day, the intention of wanting to redevelop this site and create housing on it was to try and solve a need or solve an issue that we have in Midland. Um, and the reality is, is that it's a very complex situation that we have. And in order to solve it, there needs to be a multitude of tools in order to try and create solutions because we don't have enough housing. We have heard that time and time again from folks all over the spectrum, whether that's retirees looking to come to Midland and retire, whether it's folks that are trying to find jobs and move families here, whether it's singles that want to move here, we don't have enough housing. And the intention of bringing on someone like River Caddis was always to try and find a solution for a very large site because if we could do something at scale, we could make a larger dent into that particular issue. The hard part is, is that economically, there are so many headwinds right now to try and make these deals pencil. And the realities of trying to do a 200 unit apartment complex here are very different than trying to renovate um, a former condominium development off of Main Street back in 2020 and 2021. Um, As you heard Ms. Wilson say, um, costs have skyrocketed when it comes to construction. And the reality is we need everyone doing this. We need folks like Tom McCann who's providing rentals into the market to be able to solve this issue. We need small-scale developers. We need folks that have 30 rentals within their portfolio. We need folks that are at large scale to be able to come in and do big projects like this because it takes an entire community to try and solve an issue like this. And so I feel like we've created this controversy around issues where the intention is solution. We're trying to make Midland a better place, and it's a very tough decision for all of you to make, but I I hope that you recognize that intention. The intention is not to walk away with someone in a smoking room making hundreds of thousands of dollars off the back of Midland, because the reality is, is that we don't, we're not Vancouver, we're not Chicago. Our real estate market is not these places where you walk away and you make millions and millions of dollars. Uh, We have a very minimal um, market value. The other thing we have, too, is we have 36 square miles of land, and you've heard me say that a number of times, but it matters in conversations like this because when you look at simply economic productivity across the city, you have to have sites that are being able to provide 200 units at the same land area uh, very similarly to those just north on Princeton Court, and you have 27 houses on Princeton Court. It's about the same land area as what we're talking about today at the former East Lawn School site. You could have 200 housing units, which means 200 households that are contributing to the economy, buying blizzards at Dairy Queen and going to the community center and sending their kids to Midland Public Schools or going and paying taxes here or there, and you're being way more productive with that land. (coughs) To put it in terms of tax revenue, (coughs) I put on my geek glasses today and I did some analysis on um, available data on BSNA out on the city's website, and there's about fifty-three thousand dollars that Princeton Court taxpayers pay in city taxes each year. Fifty-three thousand, about roughly half of what this pilot would pay into the city. <clears throat> if you're looking at the types of services and the types of expenditures and liabilities that the city has on a residential cul-de-sac, it's very different than a private multifamily development. You have street sweeping that needs to be done, you have snow plowing that needs to take place, you have linear feet of water main and sewer and sanitary sewer and storm sewer underneath and you have curb maintenance and you have street repair and you have all of these expenditures needed to fund or to take care of those 27 houses. On this particular site, yes, the tool that is coming in front of you tonight says 97 and it's easy to look at the $700,000 number and compare that to the 97. But the reality is is that the city makes zero dollars on that site today. Zero dollars. And if you include the maintenance that the public schools has to pay to mow that, the taxpayer is actually losing money by having it be a site like it is right now. So I urge you to think about this in a very pragmatic way. And maybe the answer is not making a decision this evening. Maybe it's trying to look deeper into this. But I think the hope would be the recognition that creating villains out of folks because they're getting subsidized or they're being focusing on the difference between full taxes and non-taxes is not gonna get us closer to a solution and it's certainly not gonna get us closer to a Midland that I think all of us want. So I'd encourage you to be supportive of the tools. Um, I think what River Caddis is putting in front of you is a very sound proposal. I think when you look at the track record of what River Caddis has had in Midland, it makes a lot of sense. Um, So I would encourage you to vote yes this evening and continue forward. Um, But I know that this is a very challenging decision I don't envy all of you this evening so thank you
2: thank you. hi Jennifer Farron from 313 Princeton court um, I just want to start with um, Grant's um, j- last comment uh, about River Caddis's track record um, I've done some digging and researching myself um, I did speak to the um, Idahoan um, Boise Idaho today um, about the development that River Caddis was pursuing um, on November 2nd, there was an article published regarding um, the development of a redevelopment of like a housing study, like a house shopping malls and stuff all together. And River Caddis requested $30 million, um, you know, as a tax grant from them in order to go forward with the development. And the city thought it wasn't in the best interest for the taxpayers, so they declined it. And then River Caddis decided that that wasn't in their best interest. They're also doing a pilot in Portage, Michigan, for 1% for 50 years, to, to, pay, to save on paying about $540,000 in taxes for 50 years. Um, On page 77, of 405 from the city council meeting from October 23rd. No, from, it was from November 13th, last Monday. Um, it says that you are to not grant a a pilot for over 40 years. It's not in the best interest to grant the pilot for 40 years. Um, the benefits of no pilot for Midland. Um, we will have contributed revenue of around 704,000 annually for the longevity of the development. Maybe 40 years, 45 years. It will definitely benefit us in a great financial way. Um, Midland can distribute these funds to make our community better. You guys have, I heard you mentioned a thriving community. When I was in my 20s, Midland was very boring. I left and moved to Phoenix. There was nothing to do here for the young professionals with the talent that would come here. They leave Midland and go to bigger cities and stuff like that. There, there's more that could be done here. Um, these funds will add on to our schools, our public services. Um, things that would not help us if you pass this, the developer savings of around 30 million for almost 45 years. Um, will be acquired by every single taxpaying resident of Midlands. The future generations will have to take on the tax burden. Um, my 12 year old daughter will have to pay more in debt. Um, every year my taxes go up. I, I mean I 'm at like maybe thirteen to 1400 a year. I, I mean it 's just going to continually gradually go up. I, I, I mean. I think we need to look at the numbers. I mean, it's very, very alarming. Uh, I mean, they they were granted at market rate rent. Why did they have, they never had to come back forward to have any more approvals? I, I, I mean, they just come back nine months later and say, oh, we can't afford to build, give us this tax break, and we're just gonna, I, I mean, put, push it through. I think we really need to look deeper into it in, in, it's just very alarming.
1: Thank you.
26: My name is Roberta Bush. I live at 3701 Lawndale, and I have bad allergies. I'm not, I don't think I'm contagious or anything, but um, I just didn't want to be coughing or sneezing on anybody. Um, and I really came to listen. I think everybody here, some of the earlier speakers, Mr. Panasic and um, the gentleman from the open door, excuse me for turning around, but, um, and a couple of other people, uh, they knew what they were talking about. And it hasn't been addressed. And the the fact Um, that we would be paying, uh, we being the taxpayers of Midland are gifting 30 million dollars, 25 to 30 million, whatever the exact amount is. I don't know, but you know, uh, it's not pocket change. Um, I don't know what the total budget is for the city of Midland, but, uh, uh, I think it's it's a fair amount to be considered Um, and and I've worked most of my career with people that were that were low-income and um, I support whatever it takes um, to get them good decent housing and quite frankly I sent a lot of people to mr. McCann and he did work with them and help them out. Um, and, and to, I'm just so glad he's still alive. Um, anyway, the, yeah, uh, like any of us, he probably has days when he wonders, but at any rate, the other thing that I haven't really heard anybody particularly say, except for the the gentleman that said uh, that he thinks you should go back and offer that same deal to your other uh, pilot projects that you have going. My comment, go, that's a go back and do it. My comment is a forward and do it. If you do this now at this percentage with this kind of a deal, you can expect to have lots of people that want to develop in Midland like this. Because you're giving it away and you're paying for it on the backs of the taxpayers. I'm done.
1: All right, any other comments from the public?
27: Okay, so Chair Peplinski, 4410 Partridge Lane. Um, Housing is definitely needed in the city. That we can agree on. Um, Affordable housing, especially for young professionals that are coming. It seems like this will not necessarily fit that mold for those young professionals that are coming in to DuPont and Dow and all that. They might be making more than what that, above that medium. But even then, when when I came in to the city, I was not paying $2,000. And nor were anyone else that I came in with. The reason why people stayed And continued and or maybe left but they struggled to leave was because of the affordability of it i don't see this project actually fixing that especially those who ended up leaving they left because they agreed mython's boring and not having the tax revenue to help fix those and give different projects help improve downtown help do other things you will continue to lose young professionals from the area. Um, sorry about that. Um, so that that's on that point. The idea of also that it seems like these larger companies, you hear about all the time, and I always like laugh about it in especially larger cities that are building stadiums for these large companies. And they're saying, well, we're going to move if you don't do this because, and you got to give us a tax break or we're, we're out of here. And it seems like they're just handcuffing their go local and state governments to give them handouts because they're going to up and leave. Thing is there won't be people who actually end up replacing these people. That site like, will still be able to be developed on. It's not going to be a huge loss. If it happens, it might mean that there is delay in getting some of these housing to be developed, but it's not going away completely. Um, and I do really struggle with this company as it's coming in and they're saying that, oh yeah, we can totally do it. And then they say, nah, we can't do it anymore. We need tax breaks. What's to stop them from doing a skin? They, they say it's because of interest rates that they have to come back and they have to do this. Well, interest rates might continue to keep going. They might go down, and, but they might continue to keep going. And so they might come back in another six months or a year and say, we were wrong again. We need, we need more tax breaks. We need, we need more funding from the city to make this work. And that's just gonna be a more burden on us to continue to fund this person as he gets further and further along maybe past the ability for us to make it stop. Um, In my job, when I get an estimate that comes back, I end up, we end up stopping it at that point, especially if it's much higher, and say, well, that came back more than I think, okay, where can we make some cuts? I'm sure there's lots of fat to be cut from this project. As kind of was mentioned, Maybe we don't need the high-end countertops, that, and that's gonna be perfectly fine. A lot of these renters probably aren't gonna need granite countertops. They're not gonna need the newest Samsung refrigerator. There's a lot that I would love to see get cut to see if it gets used. I know my, when I first moved here, we had a pool at our, kind of our my apartment complex. I didn't really use it. Maybe they need it. Maybe it will be used, but also maybe it just isn't needed overall. If housing is that major of a thing, um, and then, but even then, when it comes back onto that, the price comes. If we really get to yes, we have, we're at the bare bones of that. Sometimes it's just you wait. You wait for the market to change. You wait for things to happen. And you reevaluate it in six months, or you reevaluate it next year, and it when it makes more sense. And maybe that's what this developer needs to do. Maybe that's what the city needs to do, or maybe we just need to to someone okay, else. Thank you.
1: Hey, okay, thank you very much. Any other comments from the public? <coughs> okay, Varish.
5: Good evening. My name is Dan Varish. I have a property at 515 East Nelson over by the big blue water tower in the community center. Just want to make a point out a couple of things and I'm not to talk about money I just, my taxes increased because I'm not in that residence but, but the fact of the matter is is that that area you have a community center that's under construction, it's gonna be complete, look like it's gonna be double the size it was. Where the present one is now, they're gonna tear that down and make it a parking lot and it's gonna enter onto Jefferson. The other thing, this new construction has two, has three driveways, one on, Jeff, one on Jefferson, two on East Lawn. Okay? 200 cars. I'm going to say 200, maybe more, but usually a family would have one car at least. They're all going to enter on either Jefferson or East Nelson. Okay? So they're both all East Nelson to East Lawn and Jefferson are all two-lane highways. And they're all kind of uh secondary passages are getting from east side of town to high school over to ashman to get downtown or go the other way to get to kroger okay so what's by adding another 200 cars going out their driveways those people that mainly live along those streets have to back out into a two-lane highway in order to go the direction they want to go so my concern is you should delay approval of this until you get till the community center is done. Has to get this traffic going. The apartment complex that's going up on the corner by the post office, which it has a driveway that enters onto Jefferson. I don't know how many units there. It I heard it's something more than like hundred or so. So all those are going to have cars, and you're going to have Jefferson. They're going to enter on Jefferson to go to East Nelson or go to go to east Lawn. so you're going to have a traffic increase of i don't know what percent it seems like it's going to be pretty pretty great so by adding those new structures okay because the parking lot like i said from that they're going to be where the old uh, community center is and this driveway into it enters onto jefferson probably within looks like it's within 500 feet it's just the other side of the blue tower so you're going to get people going in and out of that so I would say if at least say least, let's kind of see what's gonna happen with that construction when it's completed and how much traffic you're gonna to add to that area. Rather than approving it and adding another two hundred plus cars. Thank okay. you.
1: Thank you. Kathy? Kathy Bott?
28: A lot of the things that I was going to talk about have kind of already been touched on. I need your name and address. Oh, I'm sorry, Kathy Bott, 310 Princeton Court. You should have that memorized already. Um, A lot of the things I've talked about, or I was going to talk about have already been touched on, so, and it's getting late, and I know there's other people that want to talk too. But a couple of things I did want to touch on that haven't really been mentioned, is in in November of 2010, The council went and it has to do with the pilot itself. The pilot program, the council had a 10 member group of staff and community meet to develop recommendations for the pilot. Some of the recommendations were all units within the project must serve those 50% or below median income. We're at 83 on this one with 35 units that do. The percentage of pilot fee is to be negotiated between 4% and 11%. I haven't seen any negotiation. I saw something that came through that said, this is what works for me. I didn't see anything back and forth, and I haven't heard anything in any of the discussions. Now, I know I wasn't in the room with staff, but I mean, I do kind of question that. <coughs> it also says the pilot should be eligible for financing not to exceed 40 years. We're at 45. And kind of going, and, and I know that, um, and, I, and Brad and I kind of chatted a little bit, that it, it's not a formal review process that the council has to follow. I guess my question is, is why would you get 10 people together and have them give you guidelines and then throw them out the window? Because it suits you or it suits getting it done, getting what people want done done. You know, some of the other things that, you know, go, again, on the pilot, I did a little researching, you know, in the council packets that we're giving out, there was a list of the 22 pilots that are in existence right now. One of those pilots is Green Hill and that was touched on in here by Mr. McCann too. That pilot project that Mr. McCann referred to was given 44 years ago. I was 14 years old. I could not vote. I couldn't get myself down here without riding my bike, but for the last 30 years I paid that. I now have four nephews that own homes in this city, they're in their 30s. They will be in their 70s. The other question with the Green Hill thing too is, Green Hill is now 44 years old, still tax exempt. Why is that? Because they have a mortgage. Well, why would anybody, what fool would pay off their mortgage if you can get a tax break? Their tax break currently for Green Hill is They get a credit of 27 or 2,700. I'm sorry, 131,217 dollars. That is their credit that they get. You add that to the rest of them that are in there. You're a million dollars, and we're going to pass this on to our next generation. It's I'm not I'm not for it. I don't want to pass these decisions that we make today. I didn't have any say in that going on. And I'm not going to make my kids pay. And I think the council should seriously look and have some parameters because if these guidelines aren't working, if we're 44 years out and we figured out a way to still get our taxes abated 44 years later, it's like that's a problem. And housing is a problem. But I don't think jamming this thing through is going to be the answer to it. And I know they're hard decisions and everybody has to make, and I'm not saying, and I've said it before, the Caddis development. I I don't know them, and I don't have a vendetta. His stuff is beautiful. I mean, they're lovely apartments. But why do I have to fund it? If I wanted to build a 3,000 square foot house, and I went and said, Here's what I want. I want these things. And I went to Mr. Builder, and I said, Here's what I want. But I can really only afford a 1,500. What's he gonna tell me? I'll finance the rest for you. No, he's going to tell me to dial it back or move on, not do it. Get, it, get money elsewhere. But why do we have to fund it? He is a for-profit business. Mm-hmm. And that everybody is acting like that land is swampland. It wasn't making any money. Well, it wasn't making any money, as Mr. Lauterbach pointed out, because it was a school. That is, that is a valuable piece of property in the city of Midland. And we all know lots are hard to come by, but it's a beautiful lot. And it was never opened on the, or offered on the open market. And I know council and city staff don't have any control of that. The city owns it, but you heard the school say, or I'm sorry, Mr. Lauterbach say that they purposely wanted it to be a tax revenue generating piece of property. And it's like, that's not doing it. And it's like just going around and skirting everything to make these numbers work and jam it in is I, I'm not for it. And like I said, I've got four kids that are in their 30s that own homes in this town, and they're gonna be paying it. I've been paying it for the last 30 years and didn't know it until this issue came up because I didn't know what a pilot was. Never heard of it before. I'm like, and, and no idea. And I think most people that are in the room would say the same thing. And you know, now that I've learned a little bit more about it, you can bet I'm gonna pay attention a little bit closer because all these years it's like, I. I just assumed I pay my tax bill every day and, or every year and you know, figure it's fine. But also on that same note, so I would encourage you to vote no on this for the reasons I just stated. But on a separate note, I would also encourage council to maybe seek out, obviously we all know that social media is a big thing, but getting the word out, because between the Road Street Diet and having all the people here, it's nice to see everybody coming in and putting input in, whether it's pro or con, But the conversations are good and a lot of people don't realize what's going in and that those agenda notes are also or the notes that are of what the council is going to be covering it in the agenda are on there. If we could have our fabulous Katie Geyer perhaps maybe send out via social media and Facebook the council's agenda every time they meet once twice a month you know, just to send that out via social media so people, people could click on it and see if there was things in there that they were interested in adjusting and get the discussion going. Because everybody's been great as far as, you know, working with them and communicating. But, it, you know, again, this thing kind of snuck up on, I think, a lot of us, and we didn't realize what it was. But then when you dig into it a little bit more and you see what the impact is on the, for generations to come, again, like we're still paying, It's, that is a problem and we need to stop it, or halt it and rethink it. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. Any other, sir?
15: Tony Stamas, 2704 Walton Woods Court. Uh, Madam Mayor, Council Members, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Uh, As uh, Kathy just stated, I have a bias for this community having lived here my whole life and to see people engaged even when they passionately degree, I think is one of the many things that makes Midland a special community and you know I, I think I see a uniqueness in this community but when we look at the issue of housing there's really not a uniqueness when we see the challenge of housing in our community around the state and around the nation there's a commonality and this is you know when we look at the cost pro, pro, price points, when we listen to the discussion and uh, the the different challenges that have been brought up, I think that gives us a picture of why we see that problem. And in our community, you know, we have, we've we've looked forward and we've said, okay, as a community, we wanna thrive, we wanna be welcoming, we wanna be a community that continues to grow. (coughs) And I think to do that, we need a project such as this. And, um, you know, certainly respect the concerns. I think this project that the the council has done, due diligence in terms of being very thoughtful and evaluating all the aspects of that. I think uh, while this is there's no one magic key, this will be a, a, a tremendous assistance for those that are looking for housing in our community. Uh, we've talked about some of the different populations that represents, but this will really make an impact. So uh, again, appreciate your thoughtful consideration and I would urge a yes vote. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay. Any other comments from the public? see the developer, do you have a comment? Uh,
29: some yeah. slides. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Madam Mayor, uh, council members, John McGraw, River Caddis Development, uh, 1038 uh, Trowbridge Road, East Lansing, Michigan. While this is loading up, um, just as Tony said, I'd like to uh, thank everybody, you know, pros and cons, for, for coming out this evening expressing concerns. Um, it, it helps the conversation, it helps uh, projects like this go forward in the future so we can learn how to approach them um, in the right manner. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for everybody to, to have spent their evening here tonight uh, letting me know some of their concerns. <laughs> I'm, you know I, I've presented a few different times to council in this regard, so I'm not going to go into into great detail, but I am here for for questions. There's concerns that were brought up tonight that were new. Um, there's things that uh, uh, multiple uh, well Mr. Arnowski you brought up as well that I'd like to touch on. Um, and so I'm just going to jump in and, and, and start talking about some friendly reminders of what this project is. We keep talking about this, this has changed massively. Right? The project itself, the amount of buildings, the amount of units, is the same. It's the same as market rate. The People, the income restriction, is the thing that has changed. Um, There was a question earlier today, which I'll get into in a little bit, about, why something like this changed from what it was in the past, and I'll get to that. So this uh, restriction, 83% of the rents are still at or above market rate, okay? There's 17% or 35 units which were brought up. Um, The audience or resident that we're looking at for this, obviously not held to, um, but within the income restriction is between 25 and 65 plus, so it does not stop at 65. It does. It it goes for as as long as uh, it fits that requirement. Um, we're not um, uh, restricting on on age at all, right? We don't. This isn't an assisted living facility, but we do allow ages. Uh, you know, we it's fair housing, so we're we're marketing to a large crowd, which, in essence, is a community anyways, right? It's nice to have a bunch of different people all in one place. It just is. So the ownership. Um, What's really important about this is what this looks like in terms of the ownership entity, what the cash flow looks like, what the taxes do. One of the main things that was brought up in the and I understand the concern with it, is the public paying the taxes. That was mentioned multiple times. In this situation, there are no taxes on this site. If nothing gets built on this site, there will be no taxes on this site. If If that exact project was built market rate, then there would be taxes on it. And that's where those numbers come from. This project is generating taxes. And those taxes increase year after year, just like everybody's property in the city. The the citizens aren't directly paying for the gap in taxes from the pilot. But the pilot doesn't go to the developer, which is a misconception I think that I'm hearing. This pilot helps reduce the expenses of the project that have created a gap from lower well, rents, interest rates, construction costs, all of these different things. A pilot, as stated, is a tool, is a tool to help developers. And we're granted tax credits by that tool so that we can provide housing for more people, housing for people that can't afford it, right? We're trying to say, and there's been a couple comments about Rivercat is bragging for showing. Can we go back one second? Because you
6: made it really clear. Nobody in this room is paying the taxes on that. So who's actually paying it? (laughs) Who is actually paying what? The taxes. Because you said taxes go up every year. Taxes continue to be generated. So who's paying them? The development.
29: Every year. So there were some comments about River is bragging by showing past developments or scales of projects. <coughs> that exercise was not to brag. That exercise was to show that we have a good reputation. Our family has a good reputation. We take that very seriously. Our projects represent us as people. We need that to be certain. They look good. They look good for a long time. One bad project goes with you forever. And by showing these and by being in Midland, one of the biggest reasons why we responded to an RFP was because people knew who we were, at least from a 10-year perspective of East End. And we had a good reputation because we take that very seriously. All of the projects that were spoke about today in a negative light, I really wish that somebody would have reached out to those communities and talked to them rather than just saying that we have a negative reputation because a project didn't go through. There are a lot of variables about why things don't go through. Not all of them are reflected in news articles. So it's important to find out exactly what it is that happened in those communities because things do happen. Development's very challenging. It's one of the hardest economic times possible. Sometimes it doesn't work. In this case, in Midland, there's a huge opportunity here. We have a a piece of property that's centrally located next to a ton of amenities, and we have stakeholders across the board that have stated how badly they need housing, how important housing is across the board, different incomes across the board, this project across the board, that this project would help them, that there are 500 to 700 job openings every single year, and it's growing. One of the biggest things that they hear is there isn't enough housing to move here once they get them the job, okay? This ownership entity, I'm gonna jump into in a little bit because it shows the cash flow and it shows the exact reason why we're asking for 45 years and asking for 4%. There's other talks that were brought up about us doing a 1% for 50 years in Portage And that's a very different project, but that's, we're asking more in Portage. That is allowed. That is under the restrictions of Mishta to do that. That's a very supporting economy that needs housing as well. And they've made it clear, you know what? This is important. At least somebody is looking at our community trying to do something great, trying to do housing for all housing that's desirable, housing that's safe. And we have a reputation there as well. And it's not a negative one.
6: So
3: Can we'll get into another the ownership question entity, or
6: should I wait? Pardon me. Can I ask another question or should I wait? Uh, go for it. Okay. Cuz I've, you know, probably received an article about Portage 5 of them or 10 of them in the last couple of days as well as social media stuff. So I actually called and talked to the city manager there, and so I do understand um, that it's one uh, percent fifty years, but I also understand too that the net cash flow is like thirty four thousand, but you're also giving like forty thousand for public services. So one of the questions I have is if you can, you know, have a thirty four thousand dollar net cash flow there, like, what would you do in Midland to contribute to our public services? Can you do a 34,000 net cash flow here and put the rest into public services or somewhere in the community?
29: So as you can see in the blue, we have a net cash flow of Mm 54,000. That is pre-cost of services, which we're providing free to the residences. Uh, financial literacy or home ownership classes, just different things that we're going to pay for out of cash flow as Mm -hmm. the development group. So that is roughly 20-plus thousand that we're taking out of cash flow. Now, I want to point something out about this cash flow. Mm -hmm. This is the cash flow for the project. If a developer, a for-profit developer is looking at the risk, the social risk, the risk of the capital risk of a project of this magnitude with a $34,000 cash flow Mm -hmm. for 45 years that they're guaranteeing to keep it affordable, the only way to do that is to have a mission-driven response. Now, there's been other conversations about, well, there's no way to prove that. That's also not true. Mishta forces that. This is one of the most regulated processes that we are going through to provide housing, good housing in Midland. And MISD is proving it. Some of the most competitive and complex and challenging projects to do housing. Mm -hmm. Well, then why are you doing it, people are asking? Because we believe in it. We believe in it so much to come here and tell you about it, to work with stakeholders to ask them what we can do to help their businesses. This is important to us and I know it's hard and I know that there's concerns and there always will be in every development across the nation. However, we're held to a, a very tough standard and we're, we're promising that we're gonna be in this city for a long time, managing this, making sure it's nice and that all extra cash flow from um, uh, uh, Unforeseen um, things that create uh, uh, more cash flow than we expected. <clears throat> There's a thing in MISTA called undue enrichment, which restricts how much money the developer, the GP and or both GP developers can make on a project. Our fees that pay for our people and the complexity of education to do something like this, the fee for the project helps pay our employees, which is also taxed. The RAP 2.0 that was a grant for River Caddis, right? A $3 million grant from the governor's office. We have to go back and say, we can't accept that as a grant because it affects the tax credits and we need that to be a low interest loan, which means I have to pay it back over time. So yes, we're using money. And that 3 million, that RAP was already allocated. So if Midland did not get it, it went to another city guaranteed. That money was going out and same with the tax credits the 4% the 9% the 4% is the state bonds the 9% is a competitive round so all of these different items we're getting into and it starts getting more and more complex but if we pull it back up what we're doing is we're providing housing that's regulated by Mishta, and all of these numbers have to be checked all of the rates have to be checked all of the Anything that the developer makes, from fees to cash flow to operate, everything that was brought up tonight, all the great concerns and questions about make sure that they're not making too much money because the state's allowing them to have tax credits, all of that has to be double-checked, has to be confirmed every year, every year. What we're providing, we're asking for a partnership. We're asking to be part of this community for 45 years, and I'm proud of that. Very proud of it. And I'm proud of our reputation as well. Very proud of it. We worked hard for it. I think I got into all this already. Um, There were some questions. Went a little off script. Um, Why 45 years? (sighs) Well, first of all, the MISHTA requires a pilot. The investors, the lenders, they require a pilot. What that shows is that there's investment from the city, that the city finds this important, that the county finds this important, that housing is important because they look for those partnerships of, of w- willing partners. Uh, they, they require us, if we're going to do this pilot for 45 years, Mishta requires us to have that in an agreement. Again, another series of requirements and double checking. Um, Throughout Mishta, when you do a competitive project, there's projects that have scoring systems, right? That's the only way to judge who gets the money and where. And places like Detroit, Traverse City, Lansing, Grand Rapids, larger cities have higher scores because they have more access to amenities. They have more access to things that smaller communities (coughs) do not have when we do a pilot for longer, it shows the commitment from the city. And it says that, okay, we realize as the city, we need housing. So we're gonna put our money where our mouth is with the development team that requires, when you go to MISTA to have a MISTA qualified contractor, a MISTA qualified uh, architect and engineer, um, a MISTA qualified investor, a mission-based, tax credit investor who's 99.99% owner of this project in the beginning. And then we work with the property manager who's also a Mista qualified property manager who has units across the state. By doing a 45 year pilot, it allows us to be more competitive in this process of going through Mista because just by its own merits and the best possible score Midland can ever have in the best possible location, it still will never compete against a good location in Detroit, Lansing, or Grand Rapids, just won't. And so we have to come up with partnerships, we have to come up with classes, we have to come up with pilots that are a little bit longer. And, and we went 4%, and, and again, we went 1% in Portage. Here we're doing 4% um, if, we find, if we refinance which is an if, right? We don't know what's going to happen. What does it mean if you refinance? Well, there was a question from Council Member Wispensky last week about if you, what happens with the money, assuming that there's more, if you refinance and cash flow, right? Does it, where does it go, mm-hmm. right? There's still the undue enrichment that requires us that we, only so much can go to the developer in terms of cash flow. The rest goes into operating funds, reserve funds. Helps pay for the development, right? Helps with the roof, the HVAC, the grounds, new playground, biodetention, detention leaks, all of that. Uh, that goes into a reserve fund. Those are required. They check those annually. Um, I think we've gone through most of the other things, but. <coughs> now, last thing I want to say, and I actually wasn't it's weird to say, I'm not gonna talk very long and then talk for a long time, so I apologize. Um, RCC commitment, River Katis Communities, our commitment has been um, one of the big reasons why we changed from market rate. Uh, I mean, there, there's the project economic standpoint where the, the economy just changed so darn fast that projects in Michigan just weren't working um, in a lot of different ways. And so we had to figure out, okay, well, what, what's important to us is affordable housing, is and, and again I would move this into a mixed income housing project it would not while it's a low income housing tax credit project it's a mixed income project there are multiple incomes but what we've created is a is another form or another division of river caddis communities that's is a mission based it's for profit um, mainly because of irs reporting but it's a it's a mission driven response to the housing crisis in the state. We're currently trying to do 900 units in Michigan and I'd love to bring that up to a lot more in the next four or five years. The state has 75,000 units that they're trying to provide by 2026. And as someone who who is now getting in as a team and a family who wants to be in Michigan, I wanna put our family's money where our mouth is and we wanna be here a long time. We wanna invest in Michigan. We want to be here developing housing for the long term. Midland, Portage, these are places that um, have a very important piece in our hearts for a lot of different reasons. So I'd love to answer any questions that
3: you may have. Let me ask the question I asked Jacob, which is, when did you pivot specifically between January and October, and why? and what did you do, what was was that process? What what triggered, and was it just this project or was it other projects? Well,
29: the the state of Michigan, first of all, came out with new um, or or governor approved initiatives for affordable housing, for uh, incentives to, to do housing, which weren't there before, or they weren't there like that before. In Midland, there was a gap in the very beginning But that's not unique. There is a gap in every project that we do. We just work to solve it. We, that's what we've been good at. Our our whole lives is taking tough projects and creating something nice from them. In this case, the economy changed at such a level that we had to decide, are we done developing in Michigan? At the moment of July, September, when the RAP uh, grant was coming up to to, um, apply, when that deadline was to put in this massive application, we had to decide what what are we going to do? Is this something that we can do in Midland? Is this something that we have to pass? Or do we have to change the fabric of our company to be something more impactful? And that's when we changed. And that's why we changed, Um, but it was, this economy to develop in Michigan is, um, it's more than challenging, I'll just say.
18: So,
1: so it's the RAP grant <clears throat> that really motivated, it's the RAP grant that motivated you to change?
29: No, it's one of them, right. right? There's the, I mean, you have to look at this, okay, there's a 4% and a 9% round, and they're mm-hmm. so complex, and it's right. like this gigantic mountain to climb And at that time, we had also uh, brought on new, experienced uh, uh, folks within our team, most new family members, really, Mm -hmm. to, to help us navigate. And that wasn't the intention, but that's what it morphed into. And so we started talking about like these, I guess you could say war rooms inside of our office of how do we make this work? What are different ways that we can meet the stakeholder needs, but still meet what we told the school system we would do in our letter? And we still do that. Everything in that letter and that RFP, we're doing right now. Right now.
1: Hey, any other questions?
22: Are we allowed to ask a question?
1: No. <clears throat> no. Okay, what's your question? I'll question, okay. sir.
22: Just one quick question across the board. Question. Come I up
1: to the, you need to get, wait, you need to come up to the, right, the mic. I'm sorry. But this will be the only question because we're okay. past this.
22: So we're looking at our community. How many MISTA approved contractors are there currently active in our community, and how many MISTA approved managers are in our community to support this project?
1: Okay. That's your question. <clears throat>
29: I don't know who that question was directed to, but.
1: I, I know I can't answer that question. Can you answer that question?
29: Um, I cannot answer that question. I, okay. I can tell you that no matter who gets used, we try to use local folks and everybody has to be qualified for MISHTA. I mean, the GC or CM has to be, <clears throat> you get penalized if they're not. And so there's no reason we would bring on somebody who doesn't have that but there are qualified um, subcontractors throughout the region and the subcontractors don't necessarily have to be MSHDA qualified. But the GC that runs the project, that knows how a project needs to go for MISHTA has to be able to organize those. So they have to be able, it works better for them if they do do it. And so coming up with an arbitrary number of how many, I don't even know if there is a list out there that is completely accurate. And I'm sorry, I can't answer it, sir. I say, where's Jacob, <coughs> but
26: does he? Can I have your water? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you.
29: Okay.
1: okay. Any other questions?
29: I just want to thank everybody. I know this has been tough, um, but I appreciate everything. Thank you. Okay.
1: Maybe I should ask this question about. I guess maybe I do have maybe one question. So if I um, if I look at the um, portage, you know, pilot at one percent, and their differences. Uh, you have a difference of thirty-four to ninety-one, and our project. Um, is there a way that we could get closer
29: to, to the to well, the Well, maybe,
1: maybe I should have you ask it.
30: Um, so, 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 John, she's looking at the, um, the details that were provided to the City of Portage versus the City of de- Midland details you submitted, and it really comes down to your net cash flow numbers, where in the City of Portage, there was a net cash flow of just over 34,000. The City of Midlands is 54,000. Mm-hmm. And so the mayor is asking essentially about the difference in those um, and whether there's anything that can be done to bring at least the number closer to that or is there available funds to do something similar to the $40,000 payment that was made to the city of Portage?
29: Sure. Um, so we, we did a, we did a um, municipal service agreement mm-hmm. uh, instead of doing a 4%. So cre- there's an agreement that we created with the city of Portage and, and this is not adopted. This goes back out on the 5th. It was voted unanimously for first reading. It still has second reading, so mm-hmm. it has to go through. Um, but we created a service agreement where um, the, uh, the, the development team or the owner pays a set amount annually back to the city for municipal services. Okay? We reduced the pilot to do that. So we reduce the actual pilot, but then that service agreement number goes directly to the city. Now, that's so a very different project.
6: Up. What does that mean to reduce the pilot? Is so it because I know you initially had 228 units and that's been reduced, or is it the percentage of the pilot, um, but it's still 50 or so. What does that mean to reduce it?
29: Well, the, the pilot from 4% to 1%.
6: Okay. That's so, the that reduction. financial difference
29: yeah, just there. Yeah, like 9% instead to 4%, <clears throat> 4% to 1%. Okay. And so. But the years was the same?
30: Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Huh? Still 50. It's longer. It's 50 years.
29: And it's 50 years. So, it, it's arguably more stringent to them, right? Now, back to your question about the 54 versus 34 um, we don't have, offer classes in Portage, and it's strictly a 4% deal, so it's not competitive which means that it has bigger gap, less funding. And so that's also why we created the, or why we wanted to do the 1% pilot. In Midland, we have classes that haven't taken off from the 54,000 of net cash flow. And we're estimating those to be 20 to 30,000, which would bring our net cash flow down to 24,000, not 34,000.
30: You might need to explain yeah, what I, you mean by classes. I don't so, know that that's and I'm sorry, yeah. I, I
29: yeah. thought I touched on this. But there's different classes through um, different organizations that we plan to provide, like financial literacy, that once a month our, co-part- our co-partner, Capital Area Housing Partnership, will organize classes for residents free of charge, and that costs something to up. the development group. Right.
1: right. So the gentleman, so you, that, isn't that with Monarch? Is that the organization that...
29: Medallion. Medallion, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yep, and they're used to doing that. Uh,
1: so what if, huh? what if people don't use those classes? What if people don't use those classes or I, access those classes?
29: I
6: actually have a different question. What if we have the literacy center here? What if we already have organizations that are providing that support? That's great. so can we divert that and use that funding you know have it redirected
29: so I think that in partnership by doing this, mm-hmm. there's different ways that we can provide services to residents. I was using financial literacy as, a, an, example. as an example, like Huntington, for example, in some, some in some locations um, provides these as, uh, as a benefit <laughs> to the community, right? So it, it can be homeownership classes. It can be uh, um, a daycare specialist that helps in finding daycare, right? so there 's different things that we can look at being partners with, but but that costs money because we have to employ people to come out or volunteer or do this, and that gap is where that twenty thousand is which which really isn 't that much money if you 're thinking four to ten people over a period of a year and so that i mean we 're projecting you know and and it 's still very it 's still very modest and we 're really trying to make it work by by what we 're doing and the the four percent was. I mean, going up just makes it makes it more challenging. If you wanted to do the service agreement here, where we did that, we reduced the pilot. I just, from as uh, from as challenging as this was, I thought that would have been, uh, you know, really hard to push. Okay, Somebody?
1: else have any questions.
29: Okay. Thank you.
1: Lisa, you want to read the resolution,
23: please? This action gives second reading and adoption to an ordinance to amend Chapter 2, Article 13 of the City Code of Ordinances to provide a new pilot for an affordable 204-unit workforce housing development to be located at 115 East Lawn Drive.
1: Can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So move. We have a second?
31: I'll second it so we can have discussion.
6: Well, I had a lot I had to say <laughs> and extra and additional data um, to share, because when it comes to housing and the need, um, everybody <coughs> keeps referring back to the 2018 study, mm-hmm. but we're forgetting we also had um, in the Y Task Force in 2021 uh, send out a survey which says, yes, there's definitely a need for housing. Um, and one of the things... That we focused on, because I was part of that task force, is um, how would you rate affordability? And almost 35%, actually more than 35%, were actually 67% of the respondents expressed concerns um, that low-income, low-cost housing availability and affordability. And I think when we talk about affordability, you know what, it's not just providing low-income houses. Affordability is regardless of your income, somebody has a place they can afford and they're not paying more than 30% where they're making choices of, do I feed my children or put gas in my car to go to work? All right, that's just something we have to deal with. And whether you realize it or not, in our community, it's between 38 and 40% of the residents here that are at Alice poverty level or below, which means they're paying more than the um, 30 to 38 to 40 percent um, for their housing. Uh, the next thing, so the other thing too is, you know, we don't want to exclude anybody, because I hear folks with disabilities. We had retirees reaching out, um, saying, "Hey, you know what?" I don't want to stay in my house. I don't need to go to senior living. I don't need assisted living, but guess what? I do want to move from where I am. So we need to consider that too. Um, and then the other thing that we did as part of that task force, uh, because we had over one hundred respondents, we knew there were people in the community that still knew nothing about providing this feedback. So we went to Midtown and we talked to folks over in Bay City because um, I know there's the- Bay City
30: Road, just to clarify. Bay
6: City Road, yes, Bay City (laughs) Road area. Um, Because actually, that is where the low income is. Over in East Lawn, it's considered medium, mid income. So when we talk about low income, it's over in the Bay City Road area and parts of um, midtown and some of the feedback received was you know what we need more attainable housing and right or wrong their perception is that the property owners of what's considered non-functioning neighborhoods are transitioning to attract different people causing the residents that are there to have to leave um, due to unable to afford to Pay for things they haven't had to pay for before, which is pay for pets, internet, water, all those things which some um, have had covered for a long time. And just because somebody lives over in the Bay City Road area or parts of Midtown does not mean that they're uneducated. We talk to people that are very much degreed, that are social workers, but you know what? They aren't making a hundred, a hundred and fifty thousand a year. So Do we need affordable, attainable housing? We do. However, I also have to state that today, before council meeting, I did get a call um, regarding the RFP and the direction that, um, you know, Midland Public Schools was hoping to achieve. And so when we talk about affordable, attainable housing, it's not just low income. It is everybody. And how we get there, we're going to have to work on it. But I'm, I'm kind of concerned about the feedback that we're getting you know, from an RFP perspective. And I don't think we can just totally disregard it.
1: so do you think we need to do more work get more information what's your thoughts on that
6: I think we need more information
1: then maybe we should table this it's 10 of 10 We can sit here we could ask questions all night right
3: i like we like to don't make a few more the, comments before we table it here. yeah
6: okay but I was also gonna say and I don't think we have the right folks here to be able to answer the questions that we, we may have, have.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, <clears throat> so there's a couple things going on here i i almost was set river caddis aside for the moment but my thought is we need to be more measured about what we support with taxpayer dollars and there was a t- there was a couple comments about we're not receiving anything we haven't received anything on this property in terms of tax dollars for the last whatever it is 40 50 60 years that's not true we gave this property, this property is is part of the city, uh, part of the school system, who in turn educated our children, generations of children, providing value to the all the taxpayers of the city. So I think we need to be careful about saying that that property didn't provide value to the to the city. It did. Um, But again, we need to be careful about what taxpayers, what we do with taxpayers' dollars. Um, The other thing is, we've talked about low-income housing, we talked about seniors, we talked about disability, and we talk about, well, we people have brought forward, about attracting talent. Um, The general feeling is, if you're attracting talent, if you're bringing people to the city, they probably do not need to have subsidized housing in the form of some tax relief. That's not the the focus, shouldn't be our focus. It comes up a little bit in the context of, I think Nicole Wilson um, mentioned it, about mixed income. If you look at this neighborhood, we have just recently approved three pilot projects in this neighborhood. That's 150 units or so. Providing this to be a market-based apartments does mix that income. It does achieve that result. And that's why we kept saying, Look, it looks like you maybe were okay the way you first proposed it, but now you're you're bringing, you're you're actually reducing the amount of mixing that's going on, okay? Um, so we need to figure out what we're trying to achieve. But I, it seems pretty clear to me that pilots were intended to focus on low-income housing. Now you can low-income attainable, affordable. All these things no, are very nebulous. I was, was going
6: yeah. There's truly a difference between attainable and low income. If okay. you're building something for low income, it's strictly for low income. But I think what we're looking at is, like what Nicole said, mixed income. Well, our pilot,
3: our pilot ordinance for this city talks about low income. It talks about it's geared towards low income. Now we have these guidelines. Our guidelines are not they're not binding on us, but it talked about. Forty years was was the limit there, right? And it's, mm-hmm. and if you look at what we've done in the last couple of, of uh, pilots, we talk about going back to Bracken Woods was twenty five years, but the last three projects was twenty years, um, or until the mortgage pays off. So it's the lesser of, right? Mm-hmm. So so we've been taking this, and I think from the from the I've got a lot of comments from people that that I've spoken to about this as well, and in my ward and elsewhere throughout the city. And the concern is the 45 years. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is something that they're just going, you know, this is my grandchildren, as was pointed out here, but they were saying it independently of what anything was said tonight, are gonna to be paying for this. Um, and the other part, this is, not a, this is not a brownfield. This is prime real estate. This is valuable real estate. And yes, this is a, the, the first deal that comes along but if, if River Caddis isn't willing to do a market rate development, waiting may be worth our while to, to generate, to basically, it solves a lot of problems. If you talk about market rate, it talks about, I think you then can provide housing for this talent attraction. You make the neighbors happy. You make the city of Midland happy because we get a higher tax base. It's a win-win keeping this property as, as market rate property. Now, if River Caddis can build it, great. If they can't, again, maybe you move on to the next person. But that seems to be the best way to achieve a lot of objectives. And again, I do that not because I don't want to support the lower income housing, but in this area, we've already done it. We can't try and, I think we need to take this bite at a time, if you will. We've taken a couple bites with pilots. Now we're coming in and saying, let's, let's come in with market, market rate housing here. So that's, that's what I wanted to comment on.
1: You know, when we have a pilot, we get to have a conversation about it. If The nonprofit buys that, it comes off the tax rolls, and we have no conversation about it at all. Repeat if, that again? If we're having a conversation, if we have a pilot, we get to have a conversation. If a nonprofit buys that, it comes off the tax rolls, and we don't have any discussions about that.
19: True.
1: None. And, and that happens all the time around the community. And I run a nonprofit. I know that my houses are not on the tax rolls, and that is, you know, that is taxes that are not generated for the community. You know, so I, I look at this and I think about this, and you know, and I get a little frustrated because of some of the comments. Like my taxes have gone up. Well, your city taxes have not gone up in six years. Your property value. (laughs) Wait a minute. Your property value has gone up. Your property value has gone up, therefore you're paying more taxes. But that's one of the complaints we got from people: "Oh my gosh, if we put this next to us, my that's going impre- to impact my t- property value." Well, your property value is going up all the time, which does mean you pay more taxes. But our tax rate has not changed at all in six years. Actually, that is a fact.
6: And I was so, going to say, when your property taxes go up, it means the value of your house is going up and you can sell it for
3: right. more. But tonight we're talking about the pilot. Right, we're right. Ta- we we, mm-hmm. You, you we talk about nonprofits. That's like right. the threat of moving out the, uh, well, you know, the, the football stadium because you, know, you give us a tax breaker, or we're leaving. You can't respond to threats. We're going we're to no. deal with what we're looking at in front of us, what is appropriate, what is consistent with what we've been doing Recently, at least, with respect to pilots, and you know, one of the other guidelines was that the 100% of the, of the, of the complex or whatever you want to call it, had to be, uh, for lower income housing. You know, that lower ho- lower income housing is one thing, and pilot is one thing. If you know, but we have needs, as was pointed out, and I and I question the needs sometimes because I'm going well. the, the 2018 study was pulling data from 2016 you know, which is eight years old at this point in time. Um, you know, what do we really need and what should we be what, what should we supporting with foregone tax dollars, if you want to use it that way, um, in the city?
8: I think this is a very unique property, though, too. There's no other spot in the city that I know of where three wards meet all at one corner. And so, like, Marty's Ward is, would be north of East Lawn, minus south, and Maureen's is west where the Blue Water Tower is. But I, th- I think we're all up here trying to do what we think is the best thing for this city, and it's tough. You know, because no matter what we decide, it's going to be someone's not going to like it. But we got to move forward.
1: I'm wondering though, as we look at Portage and this cash flow, the cash flow. If we could change the cash flow, I mean, I think though the the services that are offered there. I mean, I think we you get points for those. Am I correct? If you offer services, that's yeah so that so that that helps with the with the Misha stuff, but I, then I have the concern about will people really access the services that are offered and then we're paying for something that's not really accessed I mean then again, we could be paying you know paying nonprofits to provide that service and maybe they could do a better job at it. I don't know, but I'm just wondering if we could just take a look and see if we could get you know reduce our cash the cash flow um
3: Portages go in the wrong direction. That's even a greater tax break than is being offered here.
1: Well, we would get
3: a nine percent.
1: There are nine percent, but I mean, okay, yeah, all right. But I guess if we could keep at our four percent, and if we could, you know, do that, um, services have some kind of a service agreement.
3: Well, I mean, you're talking about keeping four percent, but having some others. Supplemental charge for services on top of that.
1: Well, that.
3: I mean, this is all. I I thought we were we're kind of in front of us here. It's an up or down vote on on what's presented. If you want to come back and and bring another proposal, then you bring another proposal, I suppose. But uh, I don't know that we should be working through the details of. uh, That's what uh, I'm wondering
1: if we need any more information. Do we need more information? I mean, Diane, you talked about the concern Mm -hmm. about more information. Maybe we should just table this and explore this a little bit more.
3: Doesn't tabling it leave the same motion on the table, though? I mean, it's, that's. I yeah, think what right. we're saying is the motion. The current motion on the table is is not really what we want to go. Um, don't want to put words in your mouth. We're it's going now forward, what we want to move forward? We want to move with. forward. If we want to move forward, we're going to move forward with something different, and we need more information to decide what different looks like. And if it's different, yeah.
1: Okay
6: it could be the same um, it could be different we don't know right now know. Well, we but what was your, your
1: question was about
6: oh i had lots of questions i mean but Which you one? had
1: questions about midland public schools
6: yes wanting to understand more for them because what the call i had was pretty much what right. john said about there had three um proposals there were two that they said no and there was one because it was, you know, market rate um,
3: was the direction they had set. But you also heard Mr. Podasek talk about, well, you know, if things were different, maybe he would have bid, but he looked at it the way it was and said no. You almost have to open up their RFP again if that's the case, or you go back to River Caddis and say. But the thing is, that's not our decision. True. Our decision is just yep. the pilot, mm-hmm. yes or no. Mm-hmm. As.
31: And that's, what, and that's what one of my concerns is. If we're saying, okay, we want to stop this to find out what the school board and everything I mean, really, I don't think that's relevant to us, because basically we're you know we're, we're supposed to make the decision on do we want to accept the pilot or not, not from decisions from before.
6: But it wouldn't be here if they hadn't.
31: True. Right. I'll just throw my two cents in. Um, I still have the concern about the high year rate. Um, I think if we approve this right now, we're basically setting a new precedence. I don't think we've had anything over bread. You know what the highest are?
3: I think we it, did. It's been 30? tied to the mortgages. Yeah. That's it, the, that's yeah. to be in has the past, it's be been tied the the to the mortgages. In the more recent years, we've, we've specifically capped it.
30: Right. So well, those, just to clarify, those were still tied to the mortgages correct. Um, in those places because they have to be for MISHTA funding. They will not approve the MISTA, um financing the LITEC funding unless it is tied to a um, pilot that also conforms with the length of that mortgage. Well,
8: what were you referring to,
3: Steve?
31: What were you referring to when let me you say it was capped? Please. Let me finish up. Yeah, let me finish. Right. My concern, okay, even for tax abatements, for corporations, We look at 20 to 25 years, and if we're looking, I think normally what we say, 30 on this and everything, we're adding an additional 15, and again, I think that's setting the precedence where anything in the future, it's gonna be 4%, they're gonna be asking for 45, 47, 50.
6: And we've never gone as low as 4% either.
30: We have. No, we no have? That's, that's actually not true. It's only yeah. the last couple of them in at 9%. Yeah, the last two were at 9%, okay. okay. four. All before of that was normally 4
31: to 5 Okay. and everything on that. So, so that's where my concern stands and everything. So.
1: It's the around the
3: years. Yes. Yeah. But, but Brad, like Lincoln Park is 9% uh, and the lesser of 20 years or uh, the like affordability... Compliance. Right. Um, Bracken Woods was twenty-five years, the lesser of twenty-five years or the mortgage. Right. Um, Lincoln and Center City were similar to the first. ones, the first one I read, but I mean those are those are those are memora- memorialized in our in our ordinances. All right. <clears throat> so being the rookie here,
8: what what's exactly that? are we tabling this? Are we, no, no, we, we going we're gonna yeah. vote
3: on it? We should vote.
31: Yeah. I think if we table Yeah. If we table it, it's gonna be for the wrong reasons and everything like that, so. I think we need to make a decision which way we wanna go and if they wanna bring another proposal. I know they're probably looking forward and everything like that. I, I know there's deadlines and stuff like that, so. For the mission stuff.
7: Right,
1: there is, and I just, this is, this is difficult and it's, and it is complicated mm-hmm. and to make it, it's very hard to make a decision one way or the other, because I think there's something wrong with both of those decisions, frankly, I think. Um, so for me, um, if I'm going to put it out there, I would say, and this is really hard because I truly believe we need all the housing we can possibly get but I'm not sure that this is the project for us. And I just, I think there's more, I have more questions now than I did before, and um, that's my concern. So with that, I think we should just vote. Are you ready to vote? Yes. All right, all in favor, please say aye. Opposed? Aye. aye. Okay. That does not pass. Five
8: zero. Hmm. That was surprising.
31: That was hard. Yeah. Well. I.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not unapproachable, but yeah. no, no, we're not unapproachable. <laughs> <Yeah. perfect>. The <laughs> meeting's we still going on. Meeting. We're, we're oh, we do have to close the meeting. Yes. I was ready practice. to go home. <laughs> All right. We'll yeah, wait until no everyone says. gets out. <laughs> <laughs>
30: <laughs> Folks, the meeting is still <laughs> going on. So so Could you keep it down? We need you to leave. We need
1: you to leave because our meeting is still in order.
30: Keep it down. We've got to close the
31: meeting out. Thank you.
1: All right, that takes us down to
30: new business. New business.
1: Oh. Does anybody have new business? No, Mayor. All right, I have new business. Okay. Um, I, I guess, Brad, this is, this is directed at you. Um, we have a code of conduct that we created a little over a year ago for us, and I think that um, i'm asking that maybe staff would take a look at it our our legal counsel take a look at that and i have concerns about three of the areas i have about conduct of members i have positive workplace environment and independence of boards and commission because i think that we need to have more clarity on how we view this because i think amongst ourselves we are looking at it everyone looks at it differently and we need to have I think we all need to look at the same and it's not and and I think this is one of the things that has to be really very tight and not like oh I can interpret it this way or I can interpret it that way. So I'm just asking that staff take a look at that so we can have a conversation about it in January when we meet as a group. Do we have to vote on that or can I?
30: No, if everybody's on board with that, we can certainly just take that as direction of the the council. Obviously, the concern would be if you're interpreting that code differently, then we need to clarify that one way or the other, whatever that might be. And and you all need to be on the same page um, to make sure that we all understand what the expectations are. I agree. For that purpose, I think, again, uh, we can certainly just take that off. And the city attorney, I believe, has worked with the the current version of that code, so we will continue to work through the city
31: attorney's office to, to take another look. I don't have an issue with that. Okay. I mean, won't hurt. I don't have an <laughs> issue.
1: Any other new business? Well, can I
6: ask a question? Yeah. So what are we gonna do? We have a code of conduct, and we've had it for a little while now. But when it's violated, what are we gonna do? I think that needs to be part of it too. What are the actions? Mm-hmm.
30: Well.
32: Each council member has an obligation to self-report if there is any potential uh, ethics violation. That really is on the foundation of any error of impropriety, is is the baseline. Um, the mayor certainly um, has the authority. To do so the city manager and any chair of any board or commission has the authority to come forward and refer that to the ethics board for an investigation, and and that's more of a private investigation and then the ethics board would then report back to, to council on that. The other is a more formal sanctionable type conduct that requires a it's really it's a unanimous vote of council, but it's a uh, if there's a council member that um, there's questions about, then that can be uh, done through a motion that has to be seconded. And with discussion and in our current code of uh, conduct, there, it can range from a verbal reprimand, to removal from a board or commission that they sit on, um, or referral to the ethics board for investigation as well. So there's many avenues to, to go on that. But certainly, we can uh, work together at the workshop and go through some of the verbiage on what that looks like.
1: OK. Right, any other new business? So it is Thanksgiving, and I think as a city, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have an amazing staff. They work very, very hard. We have uh, amazing partners that we work with, and we have just a wonderful community in which to do business. And for that, um, I wish everyone the most wonderful Thanksgiving for you and your families, and I hope that um, you get some rest during that time. And we look forward to seeing everyone after the holiday. We're adjourned.